Most of the guys are here. Nick, Rob's here. Devin is still missing. I think maybe he's still working the street corner in Indiana. Getting that Archie money. Rumor has it. He's raking in the the payola. So we'll see how hard it is for him to shit when it's all said and done. But we don't know. We guess we'll find out. <laughs> we'll see what he buys at Archie and brings home. So Nick's with us, Rob's with us, and uh, Scott is uh, experiencing a, a meltdown of sorts with the youngsters. So he's preoccupied and unable to join us this evening. Mm, poor guy. Yeah. He may show up in a little while. We'll see. He might. He might. He might be able to poke his head in here and say hi, bye. See you guys. I gotta go. It's <laughs> freaking out again. But I just wanted to stop in and say hi. No, we get it. It happens. Um. We're going to quickly get into this. I have some strange news. I've been flying. I've been, so I've been gone and working my ass off with work. And now I've mentioned it before with my job on these, what it's called a picture window, right? Moving from one quarter to the next happened on August 1st and August 2nd. And it's just, it's, it's too much bullshit to talk about, but it's just crazy busy. All that has decided. So I was planning on being here last week. I just literally came home, got home about 20 minutes before typically we start recording. And I just, I'd literally, I mentioned, I just messaged <laughs> Nick and I said, dude, I, I just can't do it, man. I'm fucking exhausted. So I went to sleep, but, um, we did, you know, we're doing the camping thing on the weekends, enjoying the shit out of that. But here's, Here's the beauty of that. It's allowing me, it's giving me the opportunity to do a little bit of flying with that little Logo 200. Been flying the shit out of that thing. Yeah. At the Forest Service and private campgrounds that we've been going to. And it, it's not the same. And I've always kind of given people shit about it. I, I, you know, whenever someone would say, yeah, I've been flying my so-and-so micro heli. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> not good enough dude but i gotta tell you when when you find yourself in a situation where that's pretty much all you can do right um it does count i've changed my mind i've changed my perspective i've opened my horizons on this topic and i think it's exciting it's 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 nice to be able to have i mean dude i'm telling you that thing i can fit it in a nice little corner of the trailer it doesn't get in anybody's way it doesn't get stepped on by the dog it doesn't get thrown out the window by the wife <laughs> easy to maintain the little batteries little you know i bring my v controller and i can just pop a few flights in 
every couple hours or whenever I get around to it. It's really nice. Yeah. I don't know that it's helping me improve because I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel like I can control the micro and I don't know if it's eye-hand coordination, a vision issue, or just how these little machines fly. I don't. But what it is doing is it's 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 involving me with the fun factor of flying, and that's really what what's most important. I think it just keeps yeah, me connected, right? It it allows me to. Uh, we're gonna be taking a break from camping because we've been, <laughs> we've been hitting it hard and heavy since we bought the new trailer. So I need to get out. The guys at the flying field, the local club, are like, "Dude, you still alive? <laughs> you know, come on out." <laughs> So I really want to get some of the bigger machines out there and, and, uh, and get some flying. Now this next weekend, we're not camping. So I think that's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Yeah, so for sure, dude. you know, Dan, I'm going to give you that the micro is still flying and that counts, but I'm not going to give you that hauling around an air conditioned trailer is camping. That is glamping. I, I, agree. <laughs> I agree. I do agree with yeah. that. I, 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 I can accept that. But it's a lot of fun. Look, dude, we bought kayak. <laughs> I have, oh, dude, look, I'm just I jealous. Have, yeah, <laughs> I have a kayak now. I bought a kayak, and I've got, um, I've got that electric bike. And my weekends are busy. It's actually quite nice because it's, um, I've. That is nice, dude. That's cool. I've had more. Oh, oh, things don't oh, join in us. Oh, 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 oh man, he, daddy's he, here. Oh, hello. <laughs> He's not here yet. Oh, there he is. Oh, oh man. Ugh, I'm leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> you made it. Shit. They will let anybody. Yeah, sorry. Did you feed did you feed him all the all the melatonin at once or what? <laughs> no, I just gave him a bath. I held him under until the bubble stumped. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> it works too. For that sure. does work. Oh man. A little bit of NyQuil and some duct tape, man. No, oh, I'm enjoying the shit out of the out of the camping thing, guys. And I got to tell you, being able to fly the little micro is nice. And I do it yeah. in a kayak, and I'm feeling like I'm doing more physically outside. Granted, it's an electric bike. I get it. I get it. But I'm doing 20, 30 miles a weekend on that thing. Dude, what you're getting out and about, and I think that's yeah. fucking tits for sure, man. And the kayak, I just... Um, <laughs> R2-D2 there big time. What did you say? Yeah. Oh, I said you got to get a nitro bike. Forget this electric bike. Oh, no, I get that, dude. Like, yeah, it'd be awesome. Like a, like a 120cc nitro. <laughs> 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 That'd be great. Dan would be doing jumps in the forest. I don't think they'd allow that in a state park. They barely allow these electric bikes with mm. throttles in state park, man. Anyway. Yeah. They got to catch you first. They do got to catch me. That's, that's pretty easy to do. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to catch. I'm not, I, I'm, yeah, I cannot ride that bike like a daredevil. That's for sure. But, uh, well, in any yeah, case, I think it's cool to, that you're out and about. Oh, yeah, dude. You I'm know, fucking, you, like that's great. Activity, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, uh, that first day we did the kayak, we kayaked for three hours. And I'm fishing too with the kayak. It's not like I'm just kayaking around, but after about three hours, I felt pretty good. And then I went to work the next day and I'm like, oh, my, God, my arms. I just, they just like <laughs> <laughs> jelly like arms. They were falling off. Like they just were, it was every time someone would rub up against me, I'd be like, uh, uh, ow. Yeah, it was rough. And it's getting better though. This last weekend they were 
a little sore, but not nearly as much. But anyway, yeah, that's been my week. Just uh, we're we're done with camping for a week or two anyway, so we're gonna try to get out to the uh, out to the flying field and at least get the five seventy up going. And I've got a couple other machines I need to get up in the air. The big ones, they're going to feel like slow-mo after flying the little one all the time. <laughs> I know, right? I'm looking forward to it. So who's next? What's going on? I can go. Okay. Do it. So we should probably address the fact that we were going to put out an episode last week, and we yeah. did record one, but uh, long story short, technical difficulties that were not discovered till after the fact, so... Uh, it's actually been two weeks since we've last recorded. Um, so the first week, I didn't do anything because I was away for work. Just ordered some minor stuff. Uh, so really, it was all about last week. I did get out to fly on Tuesday, which was awesome. Um, I discovered some things. I figured out why my X-Guard backplate sensor stopped working. It was actually mm. the servo lead connected to it was chafing against the frame in a spot I couldn't see. Uh, so when I went to remove it and replace it, I ordered a Spectrum backplate sensor just to try. I was like, oh, well, that's why it didn't work. So that's totally on me. So that's uh, my fault. Um, hey, at least Spectrum, you found it. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's nice to know what, what went wrong. So uh, that one's on me, not on XGuard. Uh, the Spectrum backplate sensor is working great. But in my continuing saga of Nitro fun, I've still yet to have that perfect day where you just like the Nitro fires up and then you get like a ton of flights in and it's amazing. Um, I have a problem each day. So Tuesday, <laughs> start the thing up. It's working great. New backplate sensors working first try. I'm like, awesome. This is great. So I go up and I forget what it was, but it was something I wanted to tune. And I hit hold at like, I don't know, three feet off the ground to just do a little baby auto. And it got the death wobbles as I was slowing down the head speed. So I didn't get it on the ground before the head speed got too low. And it like did this crazy shake kind of boomstruck super gently and then tipped over on its side. No. Damn, what the hell? And then I hit throttle cut and the engine doesn't shut off. And it's not chicken dancing because the clutch isn't engaged, but it doesn't shut off when I hit throttle cut. And I'm like, what the hell? Did like the linkage get hit? Whatever. Mm. Get it shut off um, and examine the damage. There's no damage. It literally popped two links and that was it. Popped them right back on. No damage to the links. Whatever, that was it. Uh, but I'm like, why didn't it shut off? So get it on the bench, start it back up, and then go to test throttle cut, and it doesn't work. And I'm going, what the hell? Mm -hmm. So I redo my throttle endpoints, check those, everything's fine. Like, without the engine running, I'm looking at things, and I'm watching you know, the throttle body uh, or whatever on the carb move, and I'm like, okay, everything's going to the right places at the right points when I hit the switches. Why isn't it shutting off when I start the thing? Like, what's different? So try a bunch of different things, test a bunch of different stuff. It's still not working. Throttle cut will not work. And I'm like, what the mm. frick, man? Like, yeah, weird. it's crazy weird. Uh, and the only thing that was different is I had this model bound to my V-Control Evo. And I had was flying it today on my V-Control Touch, the older one. I'm like, well, what? maybe that has something mm. to do with it. And sure enough... I went into the, the throttle setup and I assigned throttle cut to a different switch and then I assigned it back to the same switch I wanted on and it worked great for the rest of the day. So just like oh, weird. weird voodoo. Um, 
super weird. I don't know why it suddenly did that, but whatever. But anyway, once I got that solved, I managed to get a bunch of flights in on the Nitro. It's flying fantastic. I'm super enjoying it. So that was great. I uh, had a great day. Uh, Thomas Mabry was out there with me. He had his Nitro there. So we were just putting in a bunch of Nitro flights, and that was super fun. Um, yeah. So, you know, one day I'll have that Nitro day where uh, I get to, you know, just fly it and enjoy it. Uh, I yeah. still want to slow down the head speed on it. It's, it's just too high for my liking. So I actually ordered the pulley that'll slow it down a little bit. Um, and then I can drop the head speed a bit and still have a little bit more torque. Um, so got that ordered. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk about selling used helicopters. But on that note, and actually this is something that's not in our, in our list. Uh, I saw a post online from a nice gentleman who's a listener of the show um, who had stuffed his Puma in, in, I haven't seen a crash this bad in a really long time. Like it went in Ooh. inverted at full speed under power. Uh, ow. And like everything broken bent. I mean, everything. I don't think he was able to salvage about anything from that kit. It was, it was total re-kit instantly. Um, and I saw that and I said, Hey man, you want to buy a Puma? Because <laughs> I've been thinking about selling mine. And we got to chatting and sure enough, we worked out a deal. So my Puma is uh, on his way to him right now. Uh, so hey, I sold right. the Puma. I kept all the electronics. Uh, which was my plan because I want to move them into my raw 580 Nitro that I have the kit kind of hanging out for. And then I've been sort of staring at my two V-controls, the Evo and my original V-control touch, and going, okay, I need to sell one. I wanted to get the new one to try it and see if I needed it, and I don't know which one I want to sell. Which one do I want to sell? A, little, a guy, a gentleman in the Atlanta RC group chimes in and goes, hey, anybody selling a V-control? And I go, yeah, I am. You want a new one or an old one? And I gave him the prices mm. for both. And he says, well, which one do you want to sell? I said, I want you to pick. Uh, I honestly <laughs> couldn't decide. I had no idea. I'm like, I'm happy either way. And he <laughs> said, I want the new one. So I sold my new V-Control Touch, which only had about, I don't know, 10 uses on it and maybe about four flights on it. It was in brand new condition. So uh, lost very little money on that deal other than you know shipping and a little bit of cash. So uh, mm. I'm flush with cash. So I used that to order an engine, a pipe, and a throttle servo for the 580 Nitro, so I now have everything I need for that bird. So at some point, I'll start nice. that build. I'm, I'm debating on oh. if I like do the scale heli first or do the 580 Nitro, but would like to have two <laughs> Nitros. So when I have that frustrating day where one doesn't work, I can go to the other one. And then yeah, just, that's, that's <laughs> a good plan. You'll have like fun. Dude, yeah. we've been saying um, Scott the- is... We've been saying Scott's the heli hustler. Look at you over here just hustling shit in and out the last couple of weeks, man. Damn. Yeah, I know. I've been selling a bunch of stuff and I still have more like some random bits of electronics I want to kind of thin out and clean out my shop a bit. Uh, Maybe I'll do that this winter. We'll see. But no, it was good to move. I definitely felt like I had one heli too many right now. And when I added the 580 Nitro, when that showed up at a stupid good price, I was like, damn, I really don't need this many helicopters. (laughs) So I was glad to. that was a win-win to help out a guy who needed a new airframe and also get me the electronics for the the Nitro as well at the same time. So it was a good week for me, man. Um, Nice. Super, super, yeah, super happy. And then, uh, yeah, I've just been trying to keep tabs on what's going on at Urcha and, and chatting with friends who were there uh, competing at Worlds and Nats and stuff. And that's been a lot of fun, too, to kind of catch up with those guys every night. So it's been a good week. Yeah. Nice. And before we before we move on, just a, a quick heads up. Um, Scott's having might be having some technical difficulties, so he may 
or may not be with us the whole episode, but we'll just kind of play it by ear. Scott, if you can hear me still, um, we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, everyone everyone just sounds like robots occasionally, and uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know we'll, if I sound like a robot. You do occasionally, but we'll, we'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. Why don't we, All since right. right now you're, you're with us and you're sounding pretty good right now, why don't you tell us what you've been up to this past week or two? Man, I'm going to go ahead and take a no-fly again. No-fly! Oh, no-fly. <laughs> no-fly. Um, did a Cars and Coffee event on Saturday, I think, locally. Um, what is did a Cars nothing and Coffee helicopter event? related. You show up in a parking lot with a bunch of middle-aged older men that do nothing in life except look at cars and you drink coffee stand and around say, and yep. go, oh, you got that model, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> look at the rear end on that one. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a venting. Did you have fun? Yeah, I mean, my kid enjoyed okay, it. Well, He's pointed yeah. at every single car and had a blast. He likes cars a lot. Ah, okay. So. Yeah, just fueling it. But yeah, that's fine, cool. Huh? Yeah, crash anybody's house. Um, heli stuff. I don't know. Hell no. <laughs> no, I'm not crashing anyone else's stuff. <laughs> I had a couple friends of mine were like, "Can you help me like tune my heli and stuff?" I'm like, "No, I'm done crashing other people's <laughs> shit for the year." Crash any more helis, dude. Yeah, so <laughs> done. The only thing I'm flying is a Blade Nano S3. I'm gonna buy one of those, and I ain't fucking with nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Q Scott trying to do a P-roll <laughs> I think I can uh, maybe you fly the shit out of those things yeah right <laughs> for sure yeah you've just been on kid duty haven't you last couple of weeks basically yeah so my wife was out of town so me and my son just had a blast we just hung well, out your wife all wasn't the time. just out of town your wife was in God's country oh yeah she was she was in your land uh, I right. forget the name of the town Missoula I'm but it was in Montana Missoula, Montana. She loved it. Yeah, She's like, beautiful. we should move here. Oh, yes, you could. Yeah. You could get a job with uh, Skyfish. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> You've told me such good things about Skyfish. But they need I'm totally you there, dude. They need your expertise. Though. That's the thing, right? You could turn that yeah, company around. Yeah, make it better. Sure. Sure. If you <laughs> yeah. couldn't, I can't. Just go for a living. Right, just crash tests all their drugs till they fire you, dude. (laughs) They better have insurance, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they got great insurance. (laughs) Fuck yeah. You put the drone through what? (laughs) (laughs) Around the tower, not in the tower. You burned down a $25 million cell tower (laughs) with a drone? You're not you're not stress testing the tower, just the drone. Yeah. Why didn't you call us after it happened? Well, I hit the tower. <laughs> no cell, cell coverage. <laughs> God, that's funny. You know they do they do infrastructure like uh, dams and um, and uh, that's what they said afterwards. Damn, wind, uh, wind turbines too. So you know you could take some of those out. There you go. Hit some more robust okay. uh, targets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen those blades fail on those wind turbines, but oh, it dude. is catastrophic. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, we did some 3D modeling of a, of a few of those. They're, they're massive. 
Yeah, Jagundo, Jagundo. Up here in Duluth, they do shipping, you know, on Lake Superior, and occasionally they'll bring in uh, wind farm materials up there, and they'll bring full, full done, like full, fully assembled propellers, and they're huge. They're like a school bus and a half long, laying on a barge, coming, coming into port and stuff. It's like bigger than that. Fucking, fucking Americans will use any form of measurement other than the metric system. (laughs) School (laughs) bus and a half long. Yeah, hundred yards. No, no. A school it's about bus three and a half. Wheels. <laughs> yeah, two two point five celicas. <laughs> I love it. The bearing diameter. Oh, uh, but yeah. I mean, I'll just no finish fly. off with as, no fly. For as far as heli stuff, I'll put this out there. I'm trying to find a cheap DX9 Black Edition radio. I love that radio. It's so pretty. And I just want to mess with some bind and fly stuff for the rest of the year. So I'm going to buy a Nano S3, that new blue one. Love that little heli. And I'll beat the crap out of that. And when it crashes, I'll put it in the trash can. I'll get another one. And it will cost me substantially less money. But yeah. i got to get my hands on one of those radios. And I don't want to buy a new one because Spectrum is so proud of their radios. And I can't justify it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Get one of those uh, bind and fly little Blackhawk, little four-blade Blackhawk things. You can tool that around the yard too. That'd <laughs> no. be fun. No, it's got to do 3D. Those S3s uh, do 3D yeah. really well. You can do aileron TikToks and Pyro flips and whatever with them. Damn. Cool. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll have to get one of them too instead of my little trashy uh, little S2 or whatever the fuck it is that I've been flying around for. The CP2, the Nano CP, back when they first made that, that's the one I have yeah. still. <laughs> okay. The, yeah. the, I think they had an S2 and an S3 and it has a blue and a white canopy and that thing is no joke. Mm. I like that. I might have to get one of them things. Maybe yeah. it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah. See there, yeah. Wrong. See, you could you could tank a hundred bucks a lot easier than a twelve hundred dollar fucking heli. Oh yeah, twelve hundred dollars in blades. You mean right? I know. Shit. <laughs> For the I'm weekend, out of that just in parts this year, at least. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rob, your turn, man. It is wow. my turn, and it's two weeks worth of stuff to, to talk about. Um, okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, I, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I still am just doing my generic take a few packs to the field and or do them in the backyard, just keeping the thumbs warm and stuff like that. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, took the Goblin uh, 570 out to the park, uh, flew, had a great time, um, and uh, brought them home, no problems. Uh, been getting really good at um, really fast, big air stuff, uh, and trying to keep uh, trying to keep my my head on straight, you know. Because I know we've talked before about trying to do tricks that are like above my pay grade and stuff. And I've been finding the lane, you know, and I've been having a good time. Uh, so been having a great time flying the Goblin Five Seventy. A couple of weeks ago, I probably got like eight packs into that thing. Um, I flew the last couple of weeks ago, I flew the, uh, took the, <laughs> I took the T-Rex 600 out to the park and my, um, Oxy two and went to go fly. And I come around the corner to go pull up into the park. And I noticed this, um, cop in a squad car, like doing a UE, like getting ready to pull out or whatever. I'm like, Oh, neat. Well, if he stays there, I'm going to fly. Yeah. I don't care. You know? Um, and I figured he would like it. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so I pull in and he's still sitting there. I figure he's maybe on break or. I don't do in paperwork or whatever. And um, so I'm like, okay, whatever. And I take the 600 out. Um, I brought a couple of packs. I had the Mania X pack and um, this house built pack that I made just two 600 
cheap Amazon packs that I found um, that I fly is like my first pack, like my warm up pack, right? Um, so I put that in and I go out and I'm just flying in bank one, just doing some circuits back and forth and some easy loop to loop, some, some light TikToks here and there and stuff like that. And so as I'm flying, I don't know, I've talked about my like situational awareness before, you know, I fly by myself. So my, I'm always like listening around me while I'm flying too, right? Cause I can't see behind myself and this and that. So I hear the crunch of tires rolling in the, in the dirt. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, cops leaving. Cool. I, I was kind of looking forward to showing off for the guy. Um, and so I hear him hollering behind me. He's saying something. I'm, I don't know what it is. And so I, I land the heli and I turn around and look and he goes, he's like, man, that thing's really cool. I never seen something like that before. He's like, that thing goes really fast. I was like, you ain't seen nothing yet because I knew I was in bank one, right? And I was like, cool, he wants to stick around. I'm going to make him stick around. And so I throw it into bank three and I've got a setup where I've got the three, um, I've got three throttles on a throttle switch. But then near that, I have another switch that I use for three different banks of rates, right? So I flip up into bank, uh, my throttle three and then into bank three so I can get all the all the cyclics and all the things, right? Uh, and then I started, dude, I proceed to have like one of the most kick-ass flights that I've had on that thing in a long time. Like um, the idea of staying in my pay grade, I kind of was doing that, but I was pushing the limits a little bit, but I was still cognizant of all, you know, because crashing, uh, the last crash I had on my 570 was still fresh in my mind. You know, I had just put that back together and I'm like, I, I don't want to fuck it up in front of this guy and do a dumb thumbs. So, but I'm just sticking it, you know, um, that trick I was talking about before where I was talking about how I have to practice getting my stirs down and my timing down. Cause sometimes I can't I feel like I can't finish a pyro flip. So I do this like TikTok, and then like three quarter pyro flip back to vertical and then go back into doing the TikToks and stuff. I'm doing those. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like having a great time. Um, and so I'm coming around and this is, I'm probably got like a third of a pack left and I'm coming around. I must've been like the, uh, the note coming from the right, kind of a nose in part of like a, the end of a figure eight. I'm getting ready to come across the field in front of me. So I got a little bit of a bank in me and it's coming across and all of a sudden the tail just goes, it just lets go. And I'm like, no, what? And it starts to peer out. And I, you know, I did everything I'm supposed to do. I hit the, th I hit throttle hold and I noticed my fingers are automatically just autonomously starting to stir and I'm getting the, the heli to start to come back up to normal. And it's, I was only like maybe 30 feet in the air, 25, 30 feet in the air, but I was moving a good clip, you know? Um, but I hit hold and I was able to, I'm not saying I was like, I intentionally flared it, but I feel like that's what happened. Like I, I kind of, I brought it out of bank and it started to flare a little bit, but then it just kind of came in and just head butted the ground on its nose and cartwheeled, busted the tail, <laughs> boom, clean off of it. Um, and, uh, tore up the blades and this and that. And I hear it in the background and hear the copies like, Ooh, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, you know? Cause I was hoping I could just show up all the way, you know, and put the period at the end of the sentence and just fucking land the heli and do the thing that good heli pilots do where you turn around and you kind of hold your, your transmitter up a little bit. Like, Hey, thanks for watching, you know? Um, but instead I had to do the walk of shame <laughs> and he's like, Oh, he's like, does that happen yeah. a lot? And I was like, well, every now and then, but it's par for the course mm -hmm. of what I say. And in my head, I'm like, fuck, this sucks. I crashed this. God damn it. I just fixed the heli, but I had a grin on my face the whole time, dude. It was, I had the most fun flying that flight and hitting throttle hold and crashing it in front of this cop. 
And I'm sure he had a great time watching it. And he's probably got a story to tell his friends back at the station. He's like, dude, you wouldn't believe I was fucking on break. And I watched this dude just totally tank his like $2,000 heli into the ground. (laughs) But it was the coolest thing I ever saw. And he was like, he told me, he's like, do they charge for that kind of stuff? And I'm like, what? And he's like, do they charge for like people flying, like doing tricks and stuff like this? And I was like, well, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, they kind of do because people pay to go to fun flies and they watch that. And I was like, well, I mean, sort of, but it would be kind of cool if they had like an exhibition or something. Right. And he's like, yeah, dude, I'd totally go to pay to see that. I bring my kids. They'd love watching that. And then the gears start turning in my head. I was like, how could you monetize that? How could you do like, would you... Would people actually come to an exhibition flight? But anyway, the point is, he had a good time watching. I had a fucking great time flying the thing, even though I crashed the fuck. <laughs> I didn't crash it, though. It just was a mechanical failure. So I got it back home. I got it on the bench, and I was able to tear it apart. And it was deceptively less damaged than I thought. I mean, the blades were gone. I uh, One of the links, it's the DFC head, right? So one of the links coming down from the... Uh, grip that connects down on the swash just the plastic part cracked the arms are good the uh the grips are good all the shafts are good the tail shaft is good even the tail grips are good tail blades are good um the tail boom is toast i have another tail boom um the torque tube i gotta get a new torque tube um as well um because you know some plastic uh link ends some main blades um, this one of the servos locked up, and so I took it apart, and the, the gears were just had busted some teeth off the gears, and the gears were just locked in. So I set a gear set on one of those old Align servos. I mean, even a brand new Align servo is like sixty bucks. I think Nick looked them up for me once after he had the story. So I mean, it's not going to cost a ton to put it back in the air, and so I, it's on the bench right now, and I'll, I'll buy parts as I can and put them together. I I still have the five seventy to fly, but. After he left, though, I got to say, I, I couldn't leave the park with my head in my hands. I, I was kind of glad. Oh, that's the other thing. I, I tacoed one of the six cell packs because I, I went in like it, when it finally hit nose first, it was only like maybe five feet in the air when it started to go trajectory down, basically straight down, you know, so but it still tacoed with the front pack in there. Um, so I had to get another one of those. But they were like 20. I think I spent like 24 bucks for them. Pretty cheap. But uh so yeah, that was my first week. Uh, my second week, no crashing or anything like that. Um, oh, I forgot to say, I did take the Oxy-2 out and I flew a couple packs in it after the cop left just so that I could like shake the crashes out of my thumbs and all that and prove to myself that I could still fly, <laughs> still fly you know? Um, so I didn't leave the field like broken and you know i left with good flights in the end and stuff so that was good but um and anyway the rest of the week was all the same you know i took the 570 out the next day and fucking tore it up you know i've been taking it whenever i take that out probably every other day and get four maybe six flights on it um so (laughs) the batteries though that i have for those i mean they're it's they're seven cell um 4500 or seven cell five thousands right so they're pricey um so i've been camping on these eight as long as i can i've got a couple that are a little bit puffy and they still have some power and i don't fly hard on those ones um but they're puffy enough now where if i leave them on the tray the top end comes up against the uh the grub screw up where the motor's at right so Uh i take yeah so i have four of them that i don't run on the tray and i have this um this stuff that I procured in the drone world. That's this, um, this grippy rubber stuff where when you set the battery on it, you can put a strap on it and you don't even have to have a shitload of tension on the strap. 
it just like they stick together, but it's not sticky, right? Um, anyway, I have some of that down in the channel. So when I'm running the ones without the tr the, the little battery tray, they just sit down in the channel another maybe quarter inch, half inch down, and then I can stra I strap it down. And um, I bet they Scott can make the battery. Is that that stuff? <laughs> is it that stuff that Umagod uses? Yeah, like the Umagrip stuff. Well, I bought the cheap stuff. It's just the generic 3M bricks of the, of the stuff, like uh, little rectangle strips of it. But same concept, yeah. Okay. Um, the Umagrip style. So for those guys out there that fly drones, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That stuff works great down in that channel. Uh, I was going to try Velcro, but it's also puffy and big and just didn't work good. This, I can just set the battery in there and set it right where I want it, and it doesn't go anywhere. And I just put the little strap on and fly my hard sport and I'm good, you know? So yeah, I'm a bender at heart. So I'm not going to just put these batteries on the shelf because they've got a, maybe a hundred more flights in them, but they're too puffy to fit because with the tray, fuck the tray, you know, I'll strap <laughs> her down, man. We'll, we're in. Don't <laughs> need no stinking tray. We don't need no stinking trays on here. Uh, so I'll fly until the smoke comes out. No, I won't. I will. Well, I'll probably end up pinning them. I've, no, uh, my kid likes it. Well, <laughs> maybe I will. My kid, I like when uh, he was younger and I'd go through drone batteries and I'd have to, uh, they'd be end of life. I'd charge him up one last time and put him out on the concrete and on the driveway and I'd be like, Hey, watch. And we'd hit him with a nail. And while they're burning up and he's excited by that, I'd, I'd have a, like a little lesson. You know how you have like teaching lessons where, you know, the kid's really not fully paying attention, but if you just start talking loud enough near them, they're going to catch that. And over three or four batteries, he finally understands like, how the resistance works and how the, you know, he understands cell, you know, series versus parallel. He understands the dangers of them all and stuff. So um, he's got his own drone that he flies every now and then. So I had to teach him all that shit. But my point is when these seven cells get to there, you know, where I'm like, ah, I'm not going to put this one back in there, you know, the cause you know, these big batteries, they have like a little really thin, like aluminum or like tin little like metal piece on them, you know, that you can see that starting to bend up and I'm like, yeah, soon, you know, and when it's time, we'll go outside and we'll just, I don't know, maybe I'll take it to the range and I'll let him shoot it with my gun or something like that. And we'll have yeah, that's what we it, used but. to do. We used to go shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be more fun. Plus yeah. he likes to have reasons to go target practice with me with my nine, you know, cause I'm trying to teach big. him gun safety too. Right. So we used to go shoot big 26,000 milliamp pack. <laughs> oh, oh, I bet that was fun, dude. Yeah. Oh, I bet do you ever get fun, the lame man. one where you put that big one up there and you go and shoot it and it's just like they, just they some all, smoke. I got to tell you we, uh, not that we killed a lot of batteries, but out of the few that we did, most of them were just kind of lame, fizzly. I've yeah. only seen one battery do like the funnel of of flame like of the blowtorch. Yeah. yeah, you know. Usually they just kind of I don't know. In my experience, I don't usually is the wrong word, but in my experience, the very limited amount of batteries that I've done that way <laughs> over the years. Not a good idea, by the way, folks. Just yeah. saying. Don't, you know, don't try this at home. They Stick them in the salt water and wait a few weeks. Just do that. Yeah. Lots of lots of theories on best practices. <laughs> Dispose of batteries. That's a whole nother conversation, I think. Just fly until the smoke comes out. Okay, don't yeah. do that. Anyway, that's my couple weeks, man. A bunch of really good flying. Had a fun, spectacular crash. Just a mechanical failure. I found out the, what it was, actually, was just a grub screw. My dumbass, I had done mechanical checking on stuff, and I what, what I did was I just went around with the wrench and just stuck it in and gave it a few beans to see how if it had enough beans on the wrench or on the, on the nut or on the bolt, right? Um, and so the grub screw, that little 
guy. I should have backed it out and stuck some fresh Loctite on it and put it back in because it, it just ended up backing out between when I checked it last and the few flights I had up until it crashed, you know. And so, word of the wise, don't just don't just tighten it. Back it off and put it back in, you know. Put some stuff back on it. And now I'm bored to death, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> okay, now I'm done. <laughs> Time to do some news, isn't it? Holy shit. We're we almost an hour in news. news. So right. much news. Yes. Lay it on me. Alright. So it's Urcha Week right now as we record. Uh so Nats has happened, Worlds is happening right now, and Urcha kicks off officially, what, Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Uh, so as you're listening to this, you're already there. So lots of news, because lots of new products being released at Urcha. But uh, first, let's, let's kick through some other news. Uh, Scott, this one you may have some insight on. But uh, A-Main Hobbies announced uh, about a week ago that uh, they are purchasing their longtime partner, Hobbytown, and all of their retail stores uh, across America. So this will get them an additional distribution center in Nebraska, as well as retail outlets across the U.S. It means been helping with kind of the online part of the Hobbytown stores for a long time now. But uh, the purchase makes a lot of sense, as I'm sure it's going to be good for the hobby. Uh, Scott, have you heard any sort of, you know, info through the team A-Main as to the reasoning behind this or what uh, this purchase may hold in the future? Unfortunately, no. Okay. I got well, nothing. All right. Well, they bought a bunch of retail stores, so who knows? This may mean you can order from A-Main and pick it up at your local hobby town, I suspect. it has got to be good. Yeah, it's gotta be it has to be good. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's certainly cool hobby stores. We have one here in Georgia that I've uh, been up to, take my kids to. They have anything and everything from ton of RC cars, a bunch of airplanes, one helicopter, uh, but trains and craft supplies and puzzles and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, so I got a yeah. question that probably no one knows the answer to. Maybe you do. So Hobbytown, is it a, is Hobbytown, are they a corporate owned chain of stores or are they a franchise chain of stores? I do not know. I think they're corporate owned, but that's a guess. That's not okay. a no. Because <laughs> there is a Hobbytown north of me in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania called Kranzel's Hobbytown. Now, I don't know if that means, I don't know. If that means they're associated with the whole hobby town. I, I have the answer brand? to your question, Dan. Yeah, go ahead. actually, I looked into this um, when me and my daughter were brainstorming this concept called Quad City to for doing quads and drones and stuff, right? And I looked into it, and um, I don't know if the model's the same now, but the way it worked was you could uh, apply to have your own franchise and uh, if you had enough square footage and you had the, the location you would partner with hobby town and they would fill it with stock you know you'd buy the stock but they'd have all the so you'd partner with them and you'd get all your stuff from them put it in your storefront and so that's why they all kind of look the same like scott what you explained is exactly what mine looks like in st cloud uh, about 60 miles south of where i'm at and they have a little track in the back the track's not a hobby town thing that's this franchisee chose to choose choose to make his hobby store larger with a track in the back. I don't know, maybe it's the law, maybe they all are doing that. I don't know. I'm sure that's a, a better business model than just the store, right? Um, but in my case, that's what it is. Just the same mix of uh, products inside the store. And I'm sure at the franchise level, the person 
has some say in what do they want to order from the Hobbytown catalog at cost to put on the shelf to sell at retail, right? Um, and I hope that with the partnership with A-Main, the available, because on Hobbytown's website, there's some heli stuff that's just not a, t- a shit ton of selection, but A-Main has a much bigger selection of heli stuff. So that partnership right. may allow Hobbytown franchisees access to A-Main stock, right? Um, and if that's the case, St. Cloud Hobbytown, if there's anybody in freaking Minnesota that goes to that store and wishes there was heli stuff Along with me, let's fucking lobby them to start buying A-Main shit to put in their store so we can buy heli parts, man. I think, yeah, yeah dude, I think that the partnership is going to be a good one. To, that's what I think. Hopefully, if, for the heli hobby, hopefully we'll see some more in-person uh, purchasable items in some of these stores, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't see it being a bad thing. And certainly if you're near Nebraska, it's a great thing because you've got another distribution center if you order from A-Main to have inventory a little closer to you as well. All right, let's get into the Urcha stuff. So let's talk about what's new and what's going to be on display at Urcha. Uh, So first up, let's talk about the SAB RAW 500. So that's getting very close to release at this point. Pre-orders are now open at all SAB retailers. Uh, You'll see at least one RAW 500 at Urcha. And uh, one's going to be given away there as well. So we've seen photos of the production model now as well. So initially it's going to be released in the yellow raw scheme with the yellow boom. And we've got pricing on it now. So the heli is going to go, all it includes is the airframe and main and tail blades uh, for $668. And this is an interesting fun fact I learned today. Uh, I know some people have said the price of the raw 500 may be a tad high. But interestingly, when the Goblin 500 came out almost 10 years ago now, nine years ago, something like that, it was only like 30 bucks cheaper than the Raw 500 now. So um, mm, yeah. before you say it's expensive, it's, it's honestly not. Uh, so, And then I also, because I'd seen people complaining about the price a little bit, did a little research on other helis in the same size. So if you look at the Nimbus 550 from XL Power and you add blade cost to it, it's essentially the same price. Same thing for Tron. If you take the 5.5 and add blades, same thing for the Logo 480 and add blades. They're all exactly the same price. So it really is actually competitively priced uh, despite some internet trolls protesting that. So I think the only question left to be answered now is, is it going to sell well when there's already a 420 and the Great Flying 580? Uh, I don't know that I have the answer to that, but, uh, but we'll see. So you can go 500 or spend 80 more bucks and go 580. And I don't know, that'll be an interesting choice. And then lastly, just a quick FYI, the kit is only, at least for the next year or so, going to be released in yellow with the yellow boom. However, canopies and booms in different colors will be available very soon. You just, there's not going to be an orange and white, you know, kit released in the future anytime soon. I think they should go metric with the pricing, just like the sizing. And if it's a 580, it only costs 580 bucks. And if it's a 420, it only costs 420 bucks. And then, yeah, I guess our helis would be way more shitty. <laughs> you, you might be able to get them to do that with euros, but I don't think you're going to get them to do that with bucks. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on, bucks. All right, other new helicopters uh, to be displayed at Urcha. Goose Guy uh, will have a brand new S1 helicopter on display there as well. So I haven't been able to find any other details yet beyond it exists. 
that it'll be on display and that it's smaller than the S2. So presumably it's probably running around 150 millimeter blade, uh, something similar in size to say the OMP M1 Evo. It's probably on a 2 or 3S battery. But uh, once we get more information, we'll go ahead and share that. I'm sure it also has, you know, an all-in-one Goose Guy FBL ESC kind of unit up front as well. Mm, but, uh, I, I immediately want that. Yeah, I mean, the S2 has been a huge hit. It's been super popular. So uh, we'll see if the S1 is quite as good. I was never a big fan of the OMP M1, which is the only sort of similarly powered one I've flown in that size class. It was like a little mosquito. It was a little too fast and too small for me. I was like, mm. I'm too old for this shit. So uh, <laughs> it just got tiny really fast. Uh, yeah, man, one mistake and it was halfway across the field. Yep. Uh, other new helicopters we're going to see at Urcha XL Power is going to have their 50 size nitro version of the Nimbus there in some fashion. Don't know yet if it's going to be for sale, just for viewing, or perhaps we'll even see some flying. Uh, but we've known about the release of this for some time, and XL Power plans to, at the very least, display it at Urcha. Okay. Here is my personal favorite of the new gear coming out at Urcha. Uh, Hobbywing has announced a new 260-amp version 5 ESC that they'll have on display there. Damn. Uh, so if I did my math right, this new EAC, ESC is really only a tiny bit bigger than the current Hobbywing 200. It weighs 25 grams less than the Hobbywing 200, and it has a really strong feature set, and it only costs $70 more than the Hobbywing 200 at $499, which incidentally it is available for pre-order now. So that's a pretty impressive feature set. So let's talk a little bit about what cool things the 260 does. So uh, Hobbywing claims there's improved heat, heat dissipation. There's much better governor performance. It has a 12-volt or it's a variable BSE from 5 to 12 volts with a stronger Ooh. output capability of 30 amps. Uh, it will support multiple backhaul protocols, so great telemetry features with lots of different radios likely, uh, loads more protection features to avoid letting the magic smoke out. Uh, and I did like this quote from the marketing material, quote, the switchable no single slash double fan installation design allows users to choose between extreme weight and extreme heat dissipation. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a poor translation. What you really take from that is that you can run one, two, or zero fans on the thing. And obviously, if you run two, it's going to be a little bit heavier. But I don't think Extremely that's going to be a big deal heavier. on a 700. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. They make it sound way worse than it is. So um, just kind of poor translation there. But uh, this is cool, too. Hidden in the small print in the marketing materials, these new circuit protections mean you can run a 2S LiPo as well as a BSC for redundancy without blowing up the ESC. So if you've got maybe a scale helicopter and you want to run the BEC, but you want a 2S LiPo for redundancy or whatever, um, you can actually plug both into your FBL and the nice. ESC has a protection so it can't be backfed voltage and let the smoke out. Dude, that's a um, nice-ass feature for sure because some people just have to pick or choose, you know? Yeah, I, I got to say. Um, oh, it's also got like, what, peak amps of 300 easily? Or no, sorry, peak amps, I want to say 400. I should really go look that <laughs> up, but it's a lot. It's more than you Dang. need. Um, and yeah. then steady amp draw of 260 amps. So that's an impressive unit, man. I, I honestly can't see why you would buy a 200 over this at this point. Now, I'm still running 130s in my 700s because I have really light amp draws because of the way I fly. But 
if you're, you know, more a little bit more of a lead foot and looking for a new ESC, uh, I mean, you really can't beat this feature set at that price. You compare it to other ESCs in this size, you know, from Scorpion or YGE, and they're all much more expensive. So uh, I think this one is going to sell a bunch. All right. Another new, kind of new, not really new, but sort of new approach to a helicopter is going to be released. So Horizon and Blade Helicopters are releasing a new version of their well-proven Fusion 480-550 kit. So really it's the 550, but the Fusion 480 was a super popular helicopter in its day from Blade, and most folks went ahead and stretched them to 550s and were super happy with them. So Horizon and Blade have taken notice, and they're releasing a Fusion 550 quick-build kit that includes the motor and the blades. So the kit is going to go for $599, Uh, And it's going to be partially assembled. So I hit up a buddy of mine on the Horizon team and said, well, what does quick build mean? And he's like, well, I don't really know officially what it's going to be, but it's essentially there'll be a bunch of completed sub-assemblies that you just have to join together. So Horizon claims it'll reduce the build time in half. So maybe it's going to be kind of a mainframe that you insert the boom into and then bolt the head on and the head's pre-built and the tail rotor's pre-built kind of thing. That's a bit of a guess, but there will be a bunch of sub-assemblies that are done. You don't have to take them apart and add Loctite or anything. And you just kind of slap it together and the helicopter's good to go. Uh, also, Horizon and Blade have a super combo version. So for $1,299, so $1,300, you get everything you need except for the radio to get it in the air if you fly Spectrum. So that's going to come with uh, Spectrum servos and Avian ESC, the 6250 flight controller, and the receiver. So it literally becomes... Not quite bind and fly, but bind and set up with all the hardware you need um, and actually saves you almost $400 over if you were to buy all that separately. So uh, good on your blade. Glad to see you uh, putting out some new stuff in the larger size again, even if it's kind of old stuff, but reconfigured. Yeah, that is cool. I like the quick build where, where parts are like all the way done too. I think that's kind of neat. Blade, that company is, I think most companies these days you would trust if they said they it's pre-built, Loctite and all that stuff, you you would be good. You know what I'm saying? And that's going to help a lot of hobbyists that don't want to have to deal with that on their first run, you know, but they want a bigger bird. Yeah, no, absolutely. Could be a great way to get into a 550 size bird uh, without the intimidation factor of building it. All right. So last week's episode that ended up on the cutting room floor, uh, we wished good luck to all the pilots competing that have appeared on our podcast. Uh, Instead, now let's go ahead and see how they did and are doing. Uh, So Brian Birdsong, who competed in the expert class at Nats in not Worlds, but Nats F3C, uh, placed third overall. And then he also entered, uh, I don't actually know what the official title is, but it's essentially fun scale. So if you have a standoff scale helicopter, it is a uh, Nats competition for scale helis where it's more about the flying and less about the scale details on the helicopter. And he actually took second in that class as well. So he put his F3C hovering and, you know, controlled flying skills to use and took second in uh, the scale class. So good on you, Brian. Yeah. And uh, Jamie Robertson and Nick Maxwell are currently going head to head for second and third in F3N as I type this. So we're through all the preliminary rounds as of the end of today and moving into semifinals. Uh, so those two both have a chance of uh, remaining on the podium in F3N. Best of luck to you both. And then in F3C, Nick Maxwell uh, is the only U.S. contender uh, who's got a shot at the podium, but he's currently been kind of hanging out in fifth uh, through the preliminary round. So we'll see how he does from here. But the point spread isn't massive. So certainly 
anybody's uh, anybody's game to get on the, the uh, podium as well. Um, I do also want to mention apparently that Worlds includes a juniors category, which I didn't know. Uh, sadly, there's only been one competitor in F3N and F3C, so although they kind of get the win by default, they don't actually get to call themselves the world champion because unless there's four competitors for the juniors, uh, they don't get the official title. But So my heart kind of goes out to them for that, but I don't know. It's hard to get yeah. juniors to fly to an international competition and get mom and dad to pay for all of that on top of the mm. helicopter. But, uh, yeah, but good yeah. on them for coming out and, and competing. So uh, lots of great competition going on at Worlds and Nats. Uh, and we're going to actually have uh, Brian Birdsong on the podcast in a couple weeks. He's actually the co-US team manager as well. So he's been working with Nick and Jamie and the F3C pilots uh, as well and uh, guiding them through all their competition rounds. So has lots of uh, insight to share after that. All right, Dan. I saved this for the news of the week, and I'm actually really glad you're here because I was sad to reveal this news last week and then not have you Without me. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, all right. I need you to try and contain your rage till the end of the announcement, but Horizon and Spectrum have announced a Sky ID remote identification module to comply with the upcoming FAA regulations. All right, so what we know about it so far. So it is a unit that will sit on your helicopter or airplane or whatnot that will help you comply with the FAA regulations. It can work with spectrum radios with full telemetry as well as non-spectrum radios as a standalone device. Device, And it will also cost less than 100 bucks. is all they're saying so far, but no pricing available yet. So what is it first, for those of you that don't know? So most of us that are lucky enough to fly at an AMA-approved flying field will not need one of these if your club has applied for what's called a FRIA exception, which basically means your club has said, hey, we fly model aircraft here, and you should know that, FAA. And the FAA says, okay. And then that means as long as you're flying at that field, you don't need a remote ID module. The FAA knows that if it's approved, which so far... Uh, I know of three fields in the Atlanta area that have been approved for their frios, and okay. it, was, it was not okay. difficult. So, and um, also if you have the waiver that lets you go above four hundred feet. Uh, well, I don't think so, Rob. I don't think that's. Yeah, I can't uh, speak to it as an expert. I was at on the AMA website, so and there's a there's a whole subset about needing to apply for well, over four hundred. Well, I think right. they, I think they, that loose guideline is kind of in place for every field. Honestly, we just all kind of quietly ignore it. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I don't need to worry about this remote ID module because all my fields that I fly at have the FRIA exceptions. But if you fly in your backyard, if you fly at a non-sectioned field, if you're like Rob and you're flying in a park, uh, you are supposed to, starting in September, carry one of these units in your flying model. Basically what it does is it's kind of like a transponder that says, hi, I'm a model aircraft and here's my position and elevation, uh, presumably. And you're supposed to carry one of these things. Now, as a podcast, we don't legally have a policy here, uh, but as an individual, I honestly can't say I'd be all that worried about complying with this one, as it's almost impossible to enforce unless you fly at a very public location that is regularly policed or you're stupid enough to fly right next to an airport where they might be more aware of such things. Uh, if I was flying at a local park that the cops stopped by, <coughs> Rob, um, I'd maybe at least look up what the fine is in the <laughs> unlikely event I get popped for it and then let that guide my decision. I'm assuming you could just buy one of these things and kind of move it between models. I don't really know. But uh, you can always just use Rob's strategy and just crash right in front of the cops and claim it disabled your transponder. <laughs> there you go. I don't know, uh, man. Um, look, I'm obviously, 
I'm not going to tell or, or, or give anybody. Uh, do what you want to do. I mean, you're a girl, everybody's a grown-ass adult in this hobby. Uh, I will not be complying with this kind of bullshit. And, and Same. I am not... I just don't... <laughs> I understand where they're coming from, Spectrum, but I got to tell you, this makes me say, not that I'm a... I mean, I've, I've used and have purchased many Spectrum radios and receivers and, and shit throughout the years. It's not like I do currently, but I probably won't now ever again. Now, really, they're, they're not losing out on anything because I don't buy any of their shit. Right. I just, I don't like it. I don't look the, the AMA has been safely guiding hobbyists for longer than the FAA has been in existence. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, as a group of people, we are very responsible, right? Us hobbyists who take this hobby seriously, who hmm. enjoy this hobby. Now, I get it. There's some people out there that do some stupid shit. Well, why? Okay. Why do we need to involve those of us who are members of the AMA who typically always fly at AMA fields, whether it's at a fun fly or not, or if when I was in Montana, I'd fly in the middle of a 5,000 acre field, no one around, right? I just don't like it when the government has to stick its nose into my hobby. They know every fucking thing about me, right? Why do they need to know how many helicopters I own? Why? I don't think they know how many. I think you just have a transponder you could move between models. To just say no, there's a model these, the transpon these, these transponders are not going to move between models. They're, each one's going to have to have a, have to have a unit. You think so? Well, that's the way it is in the commercial world. I don't know why it would be any different in the hobby world. Yeah, okay. They're unique identifiers. I don't know, man. I don't like it. I just don't like it. I mean, I'm with you. I, I would not purchase one unless I was really afraid that where I fly would be subject to higher scrutiny. Um, but what interests me more than that, and we could do a whole episode on this, uh, and we got a lot to get through still, but, uh, is you saying that because Spectrum saw a need based on FAA regulations and created something to help bridge that gap for modelers and allow them to continue to sell bind and fly models, because that was the problem that models that include, you know, receivers and are ready to go yeah, and need to have this kind to of do. included. Uh, so they're following the law that they didn't set and that makes you change your purchases, which is fine. Everyone should vote with their dollar. I'm a big fan of that, but I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And it definitely doesn't affect my purchasing with Spectrum. Well, it, I qualified that. They're not losing out on any money by me saying I'm not going to buy anything Spectrum because I don't buy anything Spectrum. I haven't for years, right? Yeah. So they're not losing out on anything. But that means I, I, I'm more likely to, to, to avoid Spectrum moving forward. There may come a time when, look, and when that time comes, guess what? I'm not flying RC helicopters anymore, right? If it comes down to it, um, it's just, I, look. Dude, I'm with you, Dan. I feel like it's overreach. Total it is overreach. overreach. Let me, let me, and, and this whole thing was built with complete, like, nobody had any um, foresight at all. This was all very selfish, closed-minded regulation. I mean, I feel like really the only, there's, there is no, 
there is no safety aspect to any of this. All it is is we're getting ready to start carving out lanes for drone taxis and drone shipping and other kinds of things. And all the companies are posturing themselves and getting into a position where they can minimize any sort of liability with regard to that. And if that means that the government is going to just crush uh, the, I'll say big hobby, because quite frankly, RC hobby is a pretty large thing all over the world, right? People don't talk about it a lot, but I'd guarantee in even my small town, there's easily 10, 15% of the people here that participate in it. Maybe not air hobbies, right? But the notion that uh, an organization that's supposed to operate, I'm being altruistic here, supposed to operate in, in the best interests of its citizens is completely overlooking any of the citizens' opinions. I've been paying attention to this the whole time. Nobody's listening to us at all, right? And the FAA is just doing what the government is telling them to do. And then now we have the AMA um, kind of like, I, I don't know, they're they're trying to do some posturing and they're they're trying to... I don't think they're pushing hard. I don't think they ever started pushing hard enough. Never, advocating. Hard enough. never, yeah. never did. They're just saying, okay, well, uh, how much KY do I get to use when you stick it in my ass? You know, <laughs> that's about it, you know, and now it's bleeding down. We're having these conversations at the hobby and community level. If you just Google FPV remote ID, your mind will be blown at how many, how much chatter there is about fuck the FAA and fuck remote ID. And frankly, I'm, I feel the same way. The RC heli hobby is built a little bit differently than the FPV hobby is. Of course it is, right? And the logistics behind why you wouldn't want a guy flying um, four kilometers away from his where he's sitting, you know, there, that's, that's a whole other conversation. But the point that there is this blind regulatory stomping on our entertainment and our in, benign enjoyment of our hard-earned money Fuck you. We'll vote for it with our money if we have to all the way down here at the citizen level. And like you said, Dan, if that means you don't buy products because people are starting to do it, eventually I would think that uh, you would think that the hobby companies should be going to their lobbyists like, what the fuck? You know, but nobody's doing that. So some, something's got to give somewhere. And at this point now, when I start looking around social media, it's at the user level saying, fuck the FAA. You know, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, um, it, you know, they, they just don't need, they, like I said, from the very beginning, when all, when Trappy first went down to the University of Maryland or wherever he did that protest flight yeah. where he flew that drone through the campus, right? You remember that, yeah. Rob? Yep, I do. And that's kind of where it all started. You know, that that was in protest of some, I, you know, he came over here from Sweden or wherever he's from. I don't know exactly where he's from, but you know he's not from the States, right? And he created this, he dared them to make an example of him. Well, they did, right? And then they, they looked at this and they saw the potential. And, you know, I said from the beginning, when, yeah. they, when, the, when the FAA, they're going to look at all of us the same, right? And, and, and frankly, those of us who are responsible hobbyists who fly at an AMA field, for the most part, or an open field, away from anybody else, we're not flying our shit over right. campuses, right? We're not doing any stupid shit flying near air traffic or flying over road traffic. Um, they included us in that group, and they didn't need mm -hmm. to. They took yeah. that big-ass wide red paintbrush. Yeah. Slap some paint on it and just write through anything RC air control. 
Dude, the most blatant evidence Without of that, thought. the most blatant evidence of there being no forethought whatsoever is they chose an arbitrary number of 250 grams without going out actually into the real world and looking around and figuring out how much shit actually weighs that people play with. The fucking head block with grips on it on a six or 700 size heli is going to be, is going to weigh more than that all by itself, right? So try to prove to me that this thing needs to have some sort of a thing where um, uh, quarter mile away or more, somebody needs to know that it's in the air when it's obvious that it's at a flying field and a guy is standing at a fucking flight station flying it. And you got to drive down a dirt road or wherever you got to drive and you can see them all there. They all are standing there flying. You tell me I need a fucking transponder on that. No. Come on, nobody, nobody even thought to go look. I mean, think of how many airplanes, think of how many grandpas out there have balsa airplanes in their, in their sheds now that are going to become federally illegal to play with. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck that shit. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's how I feel. Fuck that. Anyway, we digress. Did you realize you opened up that big of a Pandora's box? Yeah. Oh, I knew I was pulling the pin on the grid. <laughs> you, you knew you were... You were tickling it. You're like, yeah, these guys are going to bite like I just muted my mic and sat back. <laughs> sat back and opened up a cold one and said, yeah, I'll wait till they get done blabbering. Yep. No, I get it. And I also need to look, be look, Defund uh, the FAA. <laughs> there you go. Defund the FAA. I mean, literally, look, I, Scott has one helicopter left he's willing to buy right now, and you just took that brand away from him. I yeah, know, right? come on. Hey, look, look. If you're of a mindset that you want to comply with this, I don't hold it against you. I mean, if you, it, it's not a, it's not a judgment call. It's not a, it's not a, you're an idiot or anything. It's like, I get it. You want to enjoy your hobby. And if, and if it gives you peace of mind, right. And this is not just directed at you, Nick, it's directed at anybody out there who, who, who is okay with it at this, at this level. I get that. And I don't hold that against you. And I think that's perfectly acceptable if you want to do that because you just want to go fly your helis. And if you need to do a little extra to be in compliance, then you're going to do that for peace of mind. I get it. And, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But this is just my opinion, right? I, I just think it's a, it's a crock of shit and it doesn't end here. That's the problem, right? It's like, yeah. How hard we comply the, as users know, right now is going to inform how hard they push next time. Yeah. And it's, you know, you give them an inch and they're going to take a mile. I know that's cliche and it, you know, you can say it, well, about it's anything, but it's just, it's just the way it is, you know? Um, anyway, we digress that, um, not really <laughs> the scope of this particular episode, but I do believe that's it yeah. for the news, right? That is it for the news. That is it for boom, the news. Boom. Parked a little controversy. All right. Yes. So this week, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that I enjoy because it also gets a little blood pumping occasionally for me. We've all been there. You're looking through the forums. You're looking on nowadays. It's Facebook, right? Back in the day, it was Run Rider and, and Heli Freak. The for sale forums. Everybody's looking for a good deal on a helicopter. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know? And I do buy a lot of used helicopters uh, and a lot of used equipment, frankly. But how do you go about that process? We're each going to talk a little bit about our experiences with it. Some good, some bad. I've had some really good experiences and I've had some absolute shitty experiences. 
one of the first things we've kind of got a bit of an outline we're going to follow here. Uh, and um, one of the first things is uh, setting a reasonable price. How do you know if you're going to sell something or if you're buying something, is it set at a reasonable price? I always, I've always, when I'm selling shit, I typically sell it for way less than I, cause I just want to get rid of it. Like that, that's why I'm selling it. I'm not, trying to get top dollar for it. I just want to get it the fuck out because I need to make room for something else or whatever. But I generally start, depending upon the condition, half of what its retail was. That's where I start. Typically go below that. But that's where I start. What do you guys do? Yeah, for you stuff, that's about all you can really ask for. Well, I don't know. I go a step further than that. I actually tend to do my research and see what the market has bared before I set prices. So... I'll look through, you know, the Facebook marketplace, the Heli for sale groups. Heli Freak still does a fair amount in, in used sales and, you know, look for completed transactions and see w- what it's sold for in the past. Um, but I agree with you uh, in terms of setting prices. I mean, new in box electronics or airframes that are unopened are obviously going to fetch the most. But right. even those, you got to figure that, you know, once you drove it off the lot, essentially, um, you're trying to compete with people who can get the same item. I mean, all you have to do in the States is wait for a holiday every three weeks and you can buy it for 10% off retail. So you have to beat that price with free shipping. So already, even on a new in-box item, you pretty much have to knock minimum 15% off of what you paid for it um, to compete with the sale price with free shipping. But when you're talking about used items, I mean, best case, 30% off what you paid for it but more likely 50% of what you paid for it. Yeah. And there's one other point, and I don't know, this could just be a mental thing for me. You know, you talk about when you are, have the opportunity to buy new in box or stuff. It, it's um, when I buy something new in box from a main or Elliot direct or any of the shops, if I have a problem with it, I know who to call. Like if I buy something from you, Nick, that's new in box and I have a problem with it, who do I call? Exactly. You know what I mean? Your warranty doesn't transfer nothing. Exactly. So that's the that's the thing that people. It's but it's brand new in box. Okay. Well, that's that's fine. And yeah, I there's no perks though. That. Yeah. Right. I mean, who do I do? Can I call you, Mister Joe Blow, on the side of the street when something is wrong with this? Right from the get go, can I call you and can I bug your ass or can I call you know what I mean? But I buy it from A Main. I can call A Main and and work something out with them, right? But I yeah. can't with you. It's a yeah, lot. but if, if you build that in the price, then that that would be prudent, right? Because say it's something random, like so this kind of shit happens sometimes where people are picking, packing stuff that they're putting into these boxes. Say a speed controller is missing the the longer uh, adapter wire or something stupid like that, right? And you open the thing up, you take the shrink wrap off, you got a use from some guy, you open it up and it's missing one of the things that Hobby Wing normally puts in the box. Normally you would just be like, hey, uh, you know, um, ready, Helly, this isn't in there, you know, well, they're not around anymore, I suppose, but you know what I'm saying, right? Um, right. But if it's some schmo, he's like, well, how am I supposed to get you a six inch fucking female to male adapter cable? Right. I don't have that. As but is, it, man. Yeah. But if I bought it for 15% less, I've, I've spent seven to $12, $20 less than I would have off the shelf. Now I've got this other $20. I'm like, well, shit, I didn't get the thing. I'll go on Amazon and buy me one of those little adapters and, and it's all it's done. It's the hassle. You're dealing with the hassle. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what people don't understand when they're trying to sell new in box for, you know, r- roughly the, you know, what I could go to. Uh, I've seen, I've seen it higher, dude. Like I, 
I've been shopping for ESDs. I need a couple of them. Got one finally. I need one more. And I've seen that new inbox, exact same price as I could get at AA main. Ridiculous. How are you yeah. going to sell that? You're or not 10% gonna, well, off, you but do, you wait for a sale and you're matched. Right. Yeah. And then, and, well, we're going to get into this, but then they're going to add shipping on, you know what I mean? It's all, it, it, yeah, it just gets convoluted. Yeah. I think when you're setting a price too, another important thing to think about, and I know it because this has happened to me before, is, you know, you've got this heli and um, maybe over time, some people you got this heli and to you, it's just like, fuck, I got to get rid of this piece of shit and you just want to get it out of here. But sometimes you got that heli that you just, you maybe have formed some sort of a bond with, right? You really, that's your favorite one. You really like it and this and that. You got to be really careful, even though if you have this urge to do it, you got to be really careful not to include any of your personal feelings about the equipment in your pricing of the equipment, right? You got to remember, you got to go, like Nick said earlier, about what what's the market demanding for that, you know, cool heli that you've had forever and you learned on, and it just means a lot to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, you can't sell that to someone else. You have to keep that for yourself, you know what I'm saying? So, um be be wary of that, you know, otherwise you're going to end up with a listing that's just way higher than anybody's going to want to pay for it because to them it's just some other new heli or used heli, right? Um, right. So keep that in mind too because there's that soft, that I'm kind of, you know me, I'm the hippie of the group, right? So there's the energy part of it too, you know, and buyer's remorse is a real thing too. So if you got one, if you are in that situation where you're going to, you feel like you got to get rid of your prized heli or something like that, understand that there there's going to be remorse afterwards and is it worth it you know i i've only sold one helicopter this little walkera 43b the little tiny fixed pitch uh fly barred uh micro heli and i did a bunch of upgrades to it um and i did some of my own stuff i added a led light kit and some of these other and it was just way cooler than it was when i first got it and i had it for years and um so i developed this reverence for that particular heli and i went and sold it I ended up selling it for eighty dollars, um, all in, and right right as I handed it to the lady at the post office and was walking away, I regretted it and I realized that I shouldn't have sold that heli. So, be careful, you know, if you if you're in a situation where you're hard for money, maybe that that favorite heli isn't the thing you're supposed to sell. So, right. um, I don't know. That's not typed out on a whiteboard, know, but man, it's, it's relevant. For me, it's just I, I I've always ended up regretting uh, not every heli, but. Not every heli, but there's been a number of helis that I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have got. Some of them are just like needed to go. It's like get this fucking thing out of here. But yeah, uh, a lot of them like it's like yeah, I wish I would have. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you really shouldn't sell a helicopter used unless you're trying to raise funds for another project and you're uh, really never going to use it again because you are only going to get half of what you paid for it. It's yeah. it's not like flipping cars or houses or whatnot where you may get a decent amount of what you paid for it in some cases more uh you're always going to get less these things lose yep. value quickly next shipping and <laughs> you've got some bullet points here on the uh oh this this is my favorite my rant <laughs> oh this this one just drives me crazy and i agree, oh. i couldn't agree more with this one. oh dude it drives me insane yeah so because i never know i don't yeah. know I want to know how much I'm going to pay. Just take, give me a number. Give me a number yep. to my door. Yep. That's all. Here's the thing. If you're listing a used helicopter, understand that there are people like Dan and I and countless others that if you don't include shipping in the price, 
at least to a region, right? Continental U.S. Uh, I'm going to walk away. And I also yep. need you to include PayPal fees in the price. I, I'm not going to pay some percentage. I don't know what it is in fees. I'm not going to pay variable shipping, right? Because if you're shipping a 700, shipping at buyer's expense could, could be two things. It could be $180 if it's packed poorly in a huge-ass mm. box. It could be $70. Yeah. You know, that's a huge swing. You know, that's a $100 difference. So I'm not going to let you drop it off at UPS in the pack and ship center and let them pack it and pay some yep. exorbitant shipping fee that I'm suddenly bucks. responsible for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate so. that. And, 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 and the PayPal piece, please, please. I understand why you're doing it. I understand why you don't want to include a shipping fee or a PayPal fee because you want it to, you want it to look like a smaller number, right? I get that. But just like I said, man, give, give me a number. Tell me what it's going to cost. If I'm interested in your machine, what's it going to cost to get it to my door? Don't make me give you whatever the asking price is. And then two days later, when you get around to finally mailing it, you send me a text saying, oh, by the way, shipping was whatever. Yeah, that's Anywhere not going to fly. 70 to 150 bucks. Come on. Yeah. Just figure it out. And charge yeah. me what that rate is. Yeah. I mean, on a 700 size heli, plan 70 to $100 for shipping. And anything smaller, it's going to go down slowly from there. But minimum, you know, for a, for a 500 or up heli, you know, 40, 50 bucks easy. Uh, anywhere right. in the continental U.S. And it is okay to say shipping in continental U.S. included, you know, message me directly for, you know, right. estimates on other regions. Um, yep. I which happened to me with my Puma. We worked at a deal. The gentleman's actually in Canada. I've never shipped anything to Canada, but we worked together. We did our research it. together, and then we worked it out. Hate shipping to Canada. Ridiculous. Not bad. Some, some of the guys who live in Canada actually have post office box on the state side if they're close enough. There you go. Well. Just drive in. So another thing, and I just kind of mentioned it, but another thing that I hate seeing is buyer pays... PayPal fees. Just do some math. Yeah, it's what not is it? Two and a half, three percent for PayPal yeah. fees. Just add it in. Right. Just add it in. And we're not saying that we're saying you pay the PayPal fees. It's part of the purchase price that if I'm seeing your ad, I'm going to purchase at that purchase price. The fee is in there somewhere. The shipping is in there somewhere, just like the servos and the blades right. and whatever else is in yeah. that fucking price. It's all yeah. in there. So I'm paying for it, but just don't make me, don't like line item the shit out of my ass. Just give me one okay. number. I'll send you it's that annoying. number and we're good. Super annoying. Super annoying. Or God forbid, don't, don't say you got a bunch of shit and you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this guy out because he's trying to get to Urcha. I don't know if he made it to Urcha. <laughs> but he's like, I got a bunch of helis I want to sell for Urcha. He lists off some three names, list in a, a contiguous sentence, PM me for details. And then he replies back, why, why isn't anybody hit me up? This is why, you know, you can't, you can't sell things like that. Oh, we're definitely yeah. going to get into that in a little bit, for sure. Scammers, look, they exist. They're out there. We all know it. It's pretty, I don't know. I feel like it's not hard to, to avoid scams. But th sometimes they're pretty crafty. I don't, I do remember, look, I haven't bought a lot of used helis recently. But back when Heli Freak and Run Rider were a thing, cameras were kind of few and far between because once they were found out, you know, everybody <laughs> spread the word quickly yeah. and it didn't take long to 
I don't know, get rid of that rep or gain that reputation as somebody just not trusting, but, um, you know, you've got a couple good points here. Don't, you know, don't ship without payments. And, and look, I get it. I do friends and family on PayPal, right. To certain people. And I'm more inclined to do that with people I know, obviously, but if it's, you're dealing with someone you don't know, don't, maybe don't do it. Maybe if somebody is going to sell you a bunch of stuff, maybe the first one don't do it. I don't know. But sometimes, you know, people ask you, they'll, they'll straight up ask you, uh, and it could be someone you've never met. Can you ship friends and family or can you pay friends and family? I, I just, mm, yeah. Use your best judgment. Yeah. I, I kind of go with my gut. I've never had a problem with it. And I would say in the last year, I, I don't know, maybe five, six, 10 maybe purchases and every, well, I don't know if every one of them were, but most all of them were friends and family that haven't had an issue. Most you people know, in this hobby are stand up, salt of the earth people who aren't going to fuck you. But there are people out there, obviously, we hear it all the time. Just be careful. There's, um, there's something they do in some other hobbies, like when um, I dabble with paintball a little bit, there's obviously a shit ton of buying and selling in that hobby. Um, these dudes did this thing in all the groups called legit checking. So you'd, you'd take a screenshot of their profile on Facebook, you'd post it in the group and go, can I get a legit check on this guy? And then anybody who knows them, did business with them, whatever, they'll chime in in the comments and being like, yeah, he's cool, he's good, you know, worth, trustworthy, whatever. Um, and like the whole community kind of gives you that credit, I guess. Right. And it's a really cool system. I don't know why it doesn't cross over to other areas. It's, I've only ever seen it in paintball. Hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, it does come uh, into this I've, hobby I've asked a little. To do it, like, well, you yeah, guys I've, all got I've, your I've six, you, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, I've asked some dude to do like um, to to do that whenever I was trying to do like friends and family because PayPal does this really annoying shit where it'll do fees, which is fine. I don't care. I'll pay the fees. But sometimes it hangs on to the money for like 30 or 40 days. Right. And the only reason I'm selling my shit is because I want to buy something yesterday. <laughs> right. You know, so when it keeps it for like 30 days and it waits until it's delivered and then four days after that, it's like, oh, my God, like. I didn't even want to sell it. I sold it so cheap so I can get the money right now. And then, you know, it's like PayPal screws you. It sucks. Okay. Packing and shipping. Save all that shit. I do. Most everybody does, right? You say you got all those little baggies. You got all those, hel those helicopter boxes, the, the brown yeah. boxes that they come in that, you know, that you have to, uh, to open up to get to the nice fancy prepackaged boxes from your favorite manufacturer all that shit's going to come in handy all that bubble wrap all that shit uh because when it comes time to to, to ship and pack up that heli you don't want to go spend a shit ton of money on that because that can get that can add up like you go oh, down yeah. to you go down to target or whatever and buy yourself a roll of bubble wrap a couple it's of cardboard like 30 dollars yeah and it's all there you have it already just save it all I do that for everything. Like we bought a couch um, from, I forget where, somewhere online. <laughs> and it came covered in all this like really nice foam wrapping. And I was like, I'm saving like, all, hey. I have a trash bag full of that stuff. Use it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do the same thing with, with, with packing shit that we get. Got a whole, thing, a whole thing of it over here on the other side of the wall down here in the basement. Yeah, for sure. Big old bags. That's what I got too. I got to hide them from my kids because I like popping the bubble wrap. But... Yeah, Otherwise, I do too. That's one of my guilty pleasures. I love doing. That. 
I think that the other part of shipping too is, I think the golden rule of, of selling and shipping a used helicopter is that you should pack it how you would want to receive it if yeah. you want to like be known as a good, trusted seller. So for me, that means when I'm breaking a helicopter down for shipping, I'm going to put sub-assemblies in baggies. And anytime I remove a bolt or screw or nut or whatever from a sub-assembly, um, so if I take the tail case off the boom in an SAP helicopter, I'm going to take those screws that went through the boom into the tail case and put them back in the tail case. So anytime I take a screw out and I can put it back into the sub-assembly, I'll do that yeah. so that the screws don't get lost in the box. They're not floating around in the bottom of a box. They're in a baggie and they're in a baggie with the thing they go with. Um, yeah. So if I take the skids off and there's skid bolts and I can't thread them back into the skids for some reason, I'm going to put those bolts in the baggie with the skids. Um, and just keep everything together nicely. Um, and I'm going to do a really good job of packing things, whether they're blades or, or, you know, all the breakable stuff, you know, just put a lot of effort into that stuff and it'll go a long way to what we'll talk about a little later and what Scott was just referring to getting references. Um, yeah, there's one other you, thing about, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say when you're, when you're selling a used helicopter, and yeah. you can get those guys you sold to to say, hey, bought a heli from Nick. It was packed amazingly well. Right. Communication was great. Shipping was awesome. Like, you know, that goes a long way. So when I, hear, I haven't had to do this, I guess I've not sold a used heli in a while, but back when I was selling used helis quite frequently, one thing that I would try to find out when, when getting ready to determine at what level of disassembly I was going to take my craft, the, the helicopter to based on user experience of whoever I'm selling it to. Right. Um, first of all, you know, you'd let them know it's going to be cheaper. The more I can disassemble this helicopter, the more, you know, cheaper it's going to be. But I also don't, because most likely I didn't have the manual anymore, you know, and I know, you know, you get manuals online, but nowadays I don't think people do paper manuals. Everything's online, but I love paper manuals. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's how I like to build, but, Based on that conversation, when we're talking about everything else, negotiating a price, whatever, that would kind of help determine how much effort I'm going to have to put into the sale of this craft on, on how much I'm going to take it apart. But to your point, Nick, you know, obviously keeping all that shit together, if you're disassembling something, try to put the screws back in, you know, in that whatever, that assembly, and then, then baggy that. But obviously the... The more you can break it down, the cheaper it's going to be, right? Because you're going to have a smaller package to send. Yeah. But breaking it down to go kit again is excessive. Yeah, but you know, that actually happened. First used helicopter I ever bought, uh, Gorgon, actually. It was a Vibe 50. He literally broke it down to complete kit and he had, he had written the step of the <laughs> manual that this bag was for. I'm serious. Like it, it was like building a whole new helicopter, it, everything, the whole thing. So that was quite fun. That was my first, that was my first real helicopter. I don't uh, know. Sometimes uh, that can actually be a good thing. Like if you buy one from someone you don't know, I'm going to break it down to kit form pretty much anyway. So when uh, you put it together just to make sure. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. Yep. But if I buy it from someone I know and trust, then I want it to be as little reassembly as possible. <laughs> right. And speaking of manuals, if you still have it, throw it in the box. They'll be happy yeah, about it. They will. So talking about, you know, you're getting ready to sell your helicopter and you got to post that thing up. And, and frankly, this is the part that I hate. This is the reason I typically will talk myself out of trying to sell 
a helicopter, especially over the internet. Now, if I can get a chance to sell it directly to somebody at a fun fly or whatever, that is my preferred, I think most people's preferred method, right? But got to get some good pictures. You got, because the last thing you want to hear is, I mean, you're good and you're, you'll hear it too. I mean, let's say, I, look, I sold a Bergen uh, once and, you know, I didn't particularly care for that helicopter, but it was an expensive helicopter. Just the airframe business years ago, 2010, 2011. Just that airframe was $1,600 back then, right? And nothing special about that helicopter. But I thought that I was doing that. I'm like, man, I'm taking a lot of pictures. It's great. I did find somebody to buy it, but... And, and the price was such a reduced price. I'm like, this guy's getting an amazing deal on this. And then it started a couple days after he got it. Oh, you didn't tell me about this scratch and that scratch. And I'm like, fuck this. Are you kidding me, dude? It's a two-year-old helicopter. Of course, there's going to be some scratches on it. It's been in the ground a couple of times. You knew that. Nah, that's lame. Yeah, but you got you to gotta document that shit well. And to, to next point here. Um, Use a good camera. Clean the lens if you're using your cell phone, you know. My God, just take your T-shirt and clean the lens, right? Uh, take your time. Get lots of photos. Uh, you know, I don't know, Nick, I don't know if you, when you do it, do you, do you stage it or you just kind of wherever it happens to be on the desk, I'm going to take photos of it or do you like kind of, I don't know, tell us what you do. Do you, do you like, yeah, I mean, I know because you've got all the lights and all that, you know, diffused lighting and all that shit. Do you, you know, most people don't have that. Yeah, I, I'm really picky about photos when I purchase used equipment. So, and it varies. I think pictures outdoors, especially if you're selling a helicopter, are the best. You know, do it in sunlight and you get great light at all angles and, um, and that's the way to go. But certainly smaller items, I'll shoot indoors on, on a workbench. But what's most important to me is the effort put into photos. And, and to me, I break that down in a few ways. Number one, did you actually clean it before you took pictures? <laughs> so like take 10 seconds with a baby wipe and wipe the canopy and blades down. Um, like seriously, if there's bug guts all over your blades and you're trying to sell your used heli, I'm like, come on, lazy. Like if you're that lazy, then you don't give a shit about the sale. And that tells me you're not going to do a good job packing the helicopter and I'm not going to buy it from you. Also, if your workshop is an absolute shit show of parts everywhere and you just put the heli in front of that what? pile of crap and take a photo, what? I'm not buying it from you. I guess you're like, not dude, buying any of my shit. No, just take it and put it on a bedspread, put it in the middle of the driveway and take a photo oh, yeah, of yeah. it. Like, just don't take a picture in, in oh, your clutter. Yeah, I just do the swipe on the desk and then No, it's no, no. You gotta you gotta look. I, I'm not ever gonna if I'm trying to sell a helicopter, I'm not putting it on my desk and, and taking a picture. I'm I'm putting it out in the grass. I'm gonna do something. I'm taking pictures of it out at the flying field or something, right? Yeah. I get it. Yeah, you wanna make it look good. Yeah. yeah. And you gotta show the wear points up close. So the rotor head, the main gear, um, you know, the tail rotor, you know, get close up shots of all that stuff. Take lots of pictures, don't just take one. Take pictures with the canopy on and the canopy off. You know, just get it from all angles. Try and imagine the questions you would have of a buyer of this item and try and answer them in the photos to avoid having to answer all those questions. So, yeah. uh, you know, a lack of effort at this point on your part tells me that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do it. What, what I do also like to add to my for sale posts 
after including lots of photos already, is to say additional photos from any angle available upon request. Which when I read that from other people, it tells me like, hey, they're responsive. B, they actually have the item in hand and they're not a scammer. Uh, and C, they're not oh, trying to hide anything. Point. They're trying to over-communicate, which is great. I never thought about that. That's a good point. Because if they can take extra photos, that means they actually have it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the small things, obvious small things, right? Yeah, because there's these scammers now who are literally like taking yep. pictures from somebody else's for sale post and posting them in a different forum somewhere and trying to get away with that. Uh, so we've got photos. We come up with the price. Now what do we do? Now this is where... I, the preferred method for me, as I mentioned, if you can sell it local, save yourself a lot of heartache, right? Buy it from somebody, you know, kind of get a look at it, feel it, maybe even get a test flight. I don't know if it's possible in every case, but sometimes. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to save you a lot of heartache, but yeah. obviously you can't do that every time. No. And I think if you want to sell local too, you got to be willing to reduce your price. Yes, so if you're going to get away with not breaking down the helicopter, not having to ship it, like all that, you know, should mean something. So if you want a quick sale to your local buddies in the club, then offer it up at a steal of a price. But posting it online, man, that's the bane. I hate that. Well, you will get a higher price that way, but it, yeah, you it's will. not the most fun. I don't, well, know. I don't know. Really, if you think about it, it's you're getting the same price for the heli. It just commands a higher price online because of the other things like shipping and the PayPal fees and the whatever, right? But if you take all that stuff away, technically what you've been left with is the price for the equipment, which is what the price would be if you bought it local. Yeah, no, but I, you know, see, to me, yeah, like if an airframe really was going to be 500 bucks without shipping, without fees, without anything else, and I want to sell it local and fast and not have to deal with any hassle, I'd offer it for like 400 bucks to my buddies to see if I could get it yeah. moved fast. No, I see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think, and, and, and you, you're just, look, when, you're, when you go past local and you go to online, you've just opened yourself, you know, your, your perspective pool of buyers has increased. You're, you're more likely to get a better price for it. But you've got the other, you know, you're just, it's a, it's a sale of convenience if you can do it local. You're just going to save yourself a lot of shit. You're not going to have to go to the post office. You're not going to box it up, take it apart. That's worth something, right? Yeah. Price. This is where my one thing I can tell you is this. Now, I was actively searching for some ESCs. I was in the middle one evening in a conversation with two people, uh, two different ESCs, and I was perfect. I was prepared to purchase both of them that night. And this one guy, and I can't even remember who, who I was talking to. I can't remember who he was. I literally, I could probably dig it up, but I'm not going to do that. I literally said to him, after I confirmed that it, it was what I was looking for, it had everything I needed, I literally said, what is your PayPal? What is the response when someone says, what is your PayPal? After you've already, you know, he's, he's, he's told you how much he wanted. He said he, you know, wanted you to add 2.5% or 3% for PayPal fees. Said he wanted $16 for shipping. So I know what I'm paying. Why would you not give me a fucking price? Right. Why would you pussy for yeah. why would you why would you prolong this conversation? But he did until the next day. Uh a a a, a few ba it wasn't that he maybe went to bed. He continued to talk to me about the ESC. And I'm like, you don't get it, dude. Um, what is your PayPal? Because I am literally in, in, in the process of 
trying to get him to give me his information. I'm buying another one because the other guy quickly caught on and said, Oh, this guy, look, be like, dude, I'm we're trying we're to give you my money right now. How can I do that? Money. Shut up. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> when I, when I do make an offer on something, uh, it, it's because I've, I, first of all, I know what I, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I want. And if you are offering it to me, what at a price, uh, after looking at pictures, after, you know, I, I feel it's a deal. And I say to you, okay, what is your PayPal? Well, that's your cue. You just made a sale. Or you didn't, if you wouldn't just decide for whatever reason to not give me your <laughs> PayPal. This yeah. conversation, two or three back and forth, twice or three times I asked him for his PayPal, never did give it to me. I stopped talking to him. The next day, he sends me another message. So what do you think? And I'm like, dude, it's passed. I have already bought another one. Man, oh, you got to yeah. pay attention to them, the messages, man. Yeah, it's annoying. But yeah, yeah, you know, get that price out there. I don't know, man. I, you know, we've talked about how to determine the price. You do what you want to do. Obviously, if you're, if you, if you price it right, it's going to move. One thing that I wish people wouldn't do, especially on forums, not so much on Facebook, is when you're selling something and it has finally sold, um, they remove, like, for whatever reason, the price at which it was sold. I, I mean, it's not that I, obviously it's sold, I'm not going to be able to buy that one, but at least I can look yeah. through the post and get an idea of what that item is selling for or has been selling for. Yeah. I'm not sure why people do that, but they do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and on price, like, the thing that I really hate is when people say DM for price, like put the goddamn price no, in your God. listing. It's not yeah. a secret. It's <laughs> not, you know, I don't know why you think you can't post it. Either you're too lazy to create it right. or you think that we're going to do this back and forth negotiation where you're going to start with, well, what do you give me for it? At which point I'm going to go, you're an idiot and walk away. Yeah, I hate um, that too. And I think in the case of an airframe, like give a variety of prices. So here's the price for the bare airframe. Here's the price for airframe plus electronics. Here's the price for airframe electronics minus FBL. Um, and I think you may sell any, you know, you may sell a helicopter in a number of different ways in that way. So, you know, right. don't give just one price. You might be losing a customer who's like, well, I don't really need servos. Um, whereas if you add an airframe price, you might move the airframe and then you can sell the servos separately if you want to. Um, yeah, and I do. I want to go back one step, Dan, that we kind of sped past, which is where should you post your listing? Um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, where I post anything I'm selling used, it's uh, HeliFreak. The, the classifieds there still get a decent amount of traffic, so I think that's yep. worthwhile. Um, all of the specific RC helicopter Facebook groups, um, the most popular of which I think is called Buy Sell RC Helicopter or something like that. You can find it pretty easily by searching. Um, eBay, if that's your thing. I don't really list anywhere on eBay. Uh, and if you're headed to a Funfly, you can also post it on the Funfly's Facebook group if they have one where you can say, hey, I'm going and I'm going to have these three helicopters for sale. Um, you know, hit me up for more info or put a link to your for sale listing elsewhere on Facebook as well is another good thing to do. Yeah, we kind of jumped over that. But the, and then, we, then from there, we go into price and that's where we're talking about. Just, just list the price. Tell us what you want. And, and I don't know, do you, 
are you, if you list something, are you uh, amicable to a negotiation? I don't mind it. I might think my shit's worth 300 bucks, but you might think it's worth 225. Well, we might be able to come to a compromise at 250 or 260. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just No, I think negotiation open. is a hundred percent a part of the deal. And if yeah. I feel like I'm not willing to negotiate, then I put prices firm in the listing just to save yeah, that effort and messages. So if you want a yeah. firm price, put that in your listing. If you're willing to negotiate, don't. But don't be insulted. Some people will lowball you to which you simply reply, no. Yeah. It's no why, big deal. Why do, why do people get pissed about that? Because people are going to do it. They're going to yeah. do it all the time. Especially when you say, you know, make me an offer. Oh, okay. Uh, 10 bucks. I, you know what I mean? I, you, look, people are always going to try to get a killer deal. So when people offer you something low, it's just, just as easy to say no. Another thing, and I don't know, I've not seen it. I've not seen it on the heli freak or the, or the helicopter for sale uh, pages. But um, one thing that I do, it just drives me. I don't, it's, I don't know. It's more of an annoyance. Will not respond to, is it still available? <laughs> uh, you know, so I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, I do it all the time. Like when I'm going through marketplace and I see that, I just, I am not interested in, uh, in it, whatever is for sale. But I will just, because it's, it's an auto response. I don't have to type anything. It's a button. It says, it's, it's still available. I'll just send that message because they said, <laughs> will not respond. You know what I mean? Like, well, You're asshole. I know, right? <laughs> I just think it's funny. Of course people are going to, I mean, look, how many times, totally off topic, but marketplace. I use, I've used it quite a bit. I, I don't know how many times I've like, hey, man, this, you know, oh yeah, sorry. I just forgot to take it down. Don't be a dick if someone says that to you. So we've talked a little bit about level of disassembly and what I do. Do you guys do anything different? Uh, So, you know, this kind of section is sort of focused on what you should include in your listing. And I think you just need to be honest with people. How much are you going to break it down? So people know if they're getting a a box of screws or they're getting... um, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how are you going to ship it? Or it's going, it's a scale helicopter. I'm doing zero disassembly. It's going to ship in a gigantic wooden crate and it's going to cost half as much oh. as the airframe to ship the thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and same thing for shipping. Speaking of like, provide the details there. How are you, if you've included shipping, you've included shipping. How are you shipping us post? Are you shipping UPS? Are you shipping FedEx? I want to know because I got preferences there. Are you going to insure it? Um, are you going to offer signature protection or insist upon it? I've had some buyers who insist on that and then I'm like, I'm not going to be home. So that doesn't work. So, um, you know, just be clear about what you're going to provide um, in terms of disassembly and shipping. I'm just going to duct tape it all together and put a stamp on it. <laughs> you don't want to buy from me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you've got this, uh, this bullet point condition. What, you know, has it been crashed? Yeah. You got to be honest about that. Um, I used to joke a lot because it seemed to me, you know, back when nitros were pretty much the main machine for everybody, everybody was flying nitro. Uh, It seemed to me every for sale and, and those of you who have been around in the hobby can remember, I'm sure. Um, never been crashed, only two gallons of fuel. That's, that was like the start. That was like the, the template I'm selling my nitro, uh, 
you know, mm. post M plate. Yeah. Never yeah. been crashed. Only two gallons of fuel. <laughs> Every machine <laughs> being sold had never been crashed and only had two gallons of fuel. Through. You know what about what two gallons of fuel? It's the magic number. <laughs> so. That's like I I changed my mind level of fuel. Come on now. <laughs> I guess it's just enough that you can say that ah, I gave it a shot. Didn't really care for it. Now I'm selling it. The wear and tear, yeah, you got to be honest about all that stuff, right? Because if you're not, it's going to come back to bite you. Like, I mean, you've got to be upfront about that because they're going to find out. You can't hide it. When they get it, they're going to know, right? And you see that shit all the time. People will, they'll be calling people out. I mean, there was a big one not too long ago at the beginning of summer that involves some pretty well-known people in the hobby. Um Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, and it was kind of a big back and forth for quite some time. Now, I don't know whatever became of it, but... And yeah, I don't want to be embroiled in any of that bullshit, right? Yeah. Be, just be up front. That's, again, sell it local, man. Save yourself some asshole. Yeah. But yeah, detail. Has it been crashed? If you have any kind of logs, like how many flights are on it, or ballpark how many flights are on the airframe. Uh, if there's electronics in it, like how many models have those servos been in? Is it their first model, like bought new with kit, or their 17th model. Um, you know, just, and, and for God's sakes, if you're including electronics in the sale of a helicopter, get off your lazy ass and detail what the hell they are. I don't want to know that they're just spectrum servos. I want to know which specific model of spectrum servos they are or motors, you know, X Nova motor. That means nothing to me. Like I want to know the KV and the size of the can so that I can evaluate if it works for me or I need to go out and buy a new one. So don't be lazy. Fill out all that shit. Spare parts. Yeah. I usually just throw them in. I don't even, whenever, whenever I'm, first of all, if I'm selling a heli and I don't have another of that heli, I usually just go ahead and we're not, we've not even talked about it. You know, if I was selling it to you, Nick, we wouldn't even have talked about any of my spare parts, but as I'm packing it up, I just want to get that shit out of there. It's like, cause you're not going to get, no one cares. Right. No one cares that you've got three main shafts and, you know, they might care about the big stuff. Oh, you mean, yeah, cool. It comes with an extra boom and an extra canopy. Ah, that's nice. That's a, that's a, but you know, ball links, you know, that kind of shit. They don't, no one cares. Yeah. Just throw it in there. Yeah. The best you're ever going to get for a spare parts lot is 50% of what you paid for it new. Uh, and even that's hard to get, um, and I love when people are like, three main shafts, all checked post-crash, still good. Like, that has zero value. You can throw those in the box if you want, but, yeah. you know, if it's out of the package, the spare part has zero value. Right. Um, but yeah, spare parts are, are a heartbreaker to sell used. It's, it's why I stopped stocking up on spare parts, because I was like, I'm losing my shirt. I sell helicopters too fast. I get none of my investment back in the spare parts. I got to cut it out. Yeah, I like I said, I just throw it all in the box. Because uh, I, I don't really keep a ton of spare parts, so it's not like I'm giving up a lot, but I'm not going to use it anyway. If I'm selling crap. Boom. Here. This one here does not apply to me because I am not disorganized, but history, if you track hours on your airframes, if you track flights, I do not do that. I do not know how many hours, how many flights. I don't know any of that shit for any of my hours. Used to. I used to keep a log of every flight, tracking batteries, all that shit, but I don't, I don't, I don't. The one that gets me, I love this one. I see it from time to time is 
people that know zero history and think they can sell a helicopter. So it'll say, bought this helicopter used a year ago. It sat for a year reselling, blah, blah, blah. And they're asking essentially what they paid for it. I'm like, dude, you know nothing about the history of this thing. You don't even know if it's still good and flies and you want what you paid for it. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, you know, the one thing that people can take it, like if I were to sell a helicopter, you know, there's, look, if, if, if I sell or you, Nick, or you, Rob, or you, Scott, or Devin, you know, and other guys out there that have podcasts, if we sell a helicopter, we, you know, we kind of have to stand behind it because, yeah, uh, you know, it's, where are we going, right? It's like, we're not going to be able to, if we fuck somebody, you know, it's just <laughs> not going to go good, right? It's just not going to yeah. work. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing that people do understand, like they would understand if they bought a helicopter from me, that it probably wouldn't have a shit ton of flights on it, right? But in other words, they bought one from Scott. Yeah, it's probably been crashed five, six times and it's probably got 5,000 <laughs> flights on it. Right. <laughs> you know, Nick, it's probably got quite a few flights on it. Rob, it's probably got quite a few flights and a couple crashes, right? Yeah. Uh, so you kind of know that if you were to buy it from us, but, um, you know, I wouldn't. Rob, did, do any of you keep a history of your flights? I mean, I, it, of course you do. No. Because I've got, I've got a message just for you. You are the weakest thing. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you, Dan. I used to log them back when I thought lipo batteries were like way like more delicate yeah. and fussy yeah. than they are. Um, and I used to keep like heavy track of it. But after a while, I found myself doing this like administrative work for my heli. So I was like, fuck this. Nah, now I don't, I don't really keep track of it. I mean, I remember yeah. who just, who used to do this with Sharpie, put a little tick mark or a dot or yeah. something on their battery every back time. Back in the day. Yeah, I just log on to YouTube and I look up like you know that current year crash compilation of helicopters, and I just count however many times my shit shows up, and that's how many flights I got. <laughs> They're like, "Oh yes," people shit. are like, "Scott, you're gonna have to pay me to take that helicopter because it's gonna cost me more in parts than a, just a brand new one." It's like a I usually price them accordingly, and I'm like, "This shit is beat. It has all fresh parts." But it's two hundred dollars, so right, your mileage yeah. may vary. Have fun. <laughs> you actually are really you do you do you give people good deals on that shit on the time. I've I, you've tried to entice me into a couple, and I've almost bit a few times. But I mean, fantastic deals. But let's see this one here. I've never done. Really, this screams Nick. Money back guarantee. Now I'm not saying I would look if I had I've. I'm not saying that I wouldn't make it right, but I would not, I, I have, well, let me rephrase that. I have not, I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I have never included in the deal a guarantee and said, I'll give you your money back. If after X amount of days, you're not happy with it. Yeah. I, uh, I tell folks they have seven days after they receive it to open the package and inspect it. And if I receive all of it back at their shipping expense, in the same condition it left, within a timely fashion, I will give them a full refund. Now, obviously, they still lose the shipping money, and I lose the shipping money. Um, but I think it gives folks confidence, like especially if they're yeah. buying a new inbox ESC, right? Like they can open it, they can check it in a model and make sure it works, and know yeah. that if it doesn't work, I'm going to take it back. Um, 
So I think it just inspires confidence in the sale, but no one's ever taken me up on it. No, I get that. I, I could see where that would really make. I mean, look, I, I'm guessing that at some point in the past that I've had to make, make a sale right for whatever reason, something I inadvertently overlooked. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like there has to have been over the years, something somewhere where I had to do, I don't know, something order a new part for somebody. Cause I forgot to put it in a box. I don't know. I'm sure that, yeah. but never, I've never said, Oh, I'll give you a money back, but you know, no harm, no foul. Right. Yeah. I've definitely shipped somebody apart. I think there was like a cracked tail fin or something. And I was like, Oh, no big deal. I'll send you one right now. What's your address? And then shipped him a brand new one. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That kind of stuff is good. So here's a weird one. How would, how would you guys handle this one? Say you had a new inbox ESC, right? And you sell it to someone and they get it and this it's a real occurrence that is happening and just so, so happens to happen during y'all's transaction and you never opened it but unbeknownst to you it's a doa esc and this box came from the factory doa and it should be rma'd right you just send it back to where you bought it from but you sold it to someone else they opened it up and they hook, try to hook it up and they discover that it's doa how would you mm-hmm. handle that as the seller I mean, that's a reef. If they ship it back to me, they get a refund, and then I'm going to send it back to the manufacturer where I bought it and, and handle the warranty. And do the RMA. Okay. Yeah, Word. That's, yeah, that that's sounds, yeah, that sounds fair enough. But if it comes back and it smells like all the magic smoke came out, then what? Well, that's the thing. Like, is there a small risk that someone's going to take advantage of you? Like, smoke it because they're stupid and then send it back? Yeah. Um, and I guess at that I point, you have to inspect it carefully and make a judgment call. You'd be like, yo, you said it came back. You said it was DOA. You didn't say you smoked it. Because smoked it, I think you get it in back from somebody that smoked it. That's not, you're not receiving it back the same way you shipped it to them. So it technically wouldn't qualify for a refund at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> I just saw, I just saw the second to the last bolt. <laughs> that is oh, there's a whole funny. other tab of bullets afterwards. But. Oh, is there? Oh my God, Jesus, man! <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, Nick, Nick is the real hustler here, and he's just been <laughs> stealthing it this whole time. God dang! <laughs> okay, let's get. That's just funny to me, Nick. I love it. Yeah. Don't answer any of still available messages. <laughs> I'm going to send you one next time I see you. Next time yeah, I see you yeah. throw something up. The, I'm just, the bullet I'm, Dan, Dan's laughing at is one I wrote that says, don't answer any, is this still available messages? There's a special <laughs> place in hell for those folks who send those. <laughs> <laughs> I do that shit all the time to yeah. people I don't even know. I, do, I so love funny. it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's Dan that's been doing that to you, Nick. Oh, but anyway. I do it on facebook marketplace all the time i it's like when i'm having a break at work oh yeah here's one is this still available (laughs) such a dick (laughs) i only do it to people who say won't answer is this still because they're not going to answer me he's probably sitting around at home at supper be like hey honey i got 14 today whoa (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait for you to list something for sale (laughs) (laughs) all right references all right. Well, this uh, whole next section is on what do you do after you've posted your listing? So it's up and online. Then what? Yeah. There you go. References. So, you know, that's the one thing I did like about that. I can't remember if RunRider had the feedback system. I don't think it did, but I don't remember. But anyway, 
you know, Heli Freak had that feedback, the buyer feedback and seller feedback, which was nice. Yeah, RC Groups had that too. Friend in common, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to find somebody that knows somebody that you're trying to, you know what I mean? Pretty, yeah. you don't have to dig very deep, right? It's like, you, you just like put a message out there on the Hangouts or something and someone's going to know, right? Yeah, and if you see your friend selling something <laughs> and your friend's a good builder and you can vouch for them and you see their for sale post, just write trusted seller at the very least, on their for sale post, you know, make people feel sure. good about them. Or if you sold yeah. somebody a kit, ask them to post on your next listing saying like, great transactions, shipped super well, whatever. Like, you know, build a network of people. Like every time you sell something, think of it as like, you're building this network of people who know how good a job you do at selling things and the condition they arrive in. Right. Because that shit will get around, especially if you plan on doing a lot of buying and selling. And there's some people who do, they're wheeling and dealing all the time. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's just part of their hobby. Their hobby is to fly helicopters and wheel and deal and try something new, you know, and, and constantly have a, a, you know, a bunch of helis coming and going all the time. Responding to messages. I don't know about staring at your emails and DMS, but I do think it's pretty important that you <laughs> respond quickly. Like, I mean, don't fuck around. Don't, right. Don't make someone wonder because they may, you know, especially if you're buying, uh, if you if you're the buyer, you know they want to know because they you know they've talked to you and you've contacted them first. A lot of people kind of follow that. Whoever gets in touch with me first mentality. That's who I'm going to sell it to. But you know if they've got another interested buyer, they don't want to fuck around. Like, come on, man, show me the money. Get the fuck right. out. And for Christ's sake, if they ask you for your PayPal, give them your PayPal right away, <laughs> right, then, right <laughs> immediately. If somebody says. Okay, what's your PayPal? Give them your PayPal. Take the okay? money. Yeah, be open, honest, and rapid with your communication. And if something goes wrong, because shit will go wrong somewhere, right? Somewhere something's going to go wrong. Don't ghost anybody. Like if there's a problem with the shipping, for whatever reason, you went UPS. I don't know why you would go UPS to sell anything these days, but you did. And it's lost in purgatory somewhere in, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan or something, right? You gotta, you gotta, you can't hide from that. You've got to deal with it. I don't know what, you know, you're going to have to work it out with the seller or the buyer, right? You're going to have to work those out. Don't ghost anybody. We're all adults. Yep. Yeah, we're not ghosts. And you will get, is this still available messages from me? Nah. Moving if on. you say if you say will not respond to is this still available you will get one of those messages from me if, if I see it <laughs> that is absolutely funny I didn't know that was there I love it <laughs> alright be willing to negotiate we kind of talked about that already yeah you know yeah the highlight there is is nobody sells used helicopters to make money this isn't for profit right. it's about getting some of your investment out to put into another model yeah, what I normally do too is I'll I'll pack it, ship it, shoot photos, get the label on it, send them a picture of the label with tracking, and then I won't give it to UPS till they do the same. And at that point, I'm like, my name's on the label. They've paid for shipping. I have a feeling they're not going to screw me at this point. And then just drop it at UPS, and then you're good. That's a good idea. I was actually totally amazed. I um, about three weeks ago, I saw that you know looking for a new generator. I saw that um, somebody was selling. 
uh, brand new Honda generators for 50 bucks. And I totally jumped on that. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll take three of them, right? I was shocked <laughs> when, I, when I figured out it. Oh shit! Kidding, I didn't do it, but yeah, they, you see that shit all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. don't what buy an eighty-nine dollar Goblin five seven five eighty or whatever. That's right, they yeah, don't that's exist. Right. That's right. How much was a Honda generator? Oh, I saw I saw an ad, and it was uh, fifty bucks for a oh, two thousand. <laughs> um, and Get people, real. were, you know, people were. Oh, I mean. I I sent my fifty bucks. I sure hope it wasn't a scam. I'm like, of course it was a fucking scam, dude. Come on. How did you get to be the age you are? How did you make it? How did you live? Right. <laughs> my brother uh, got scammed 189 bucks for a what was supposed to be like a urban micro car. This little three wheeled like enclosed car thing from China. He's like, dude, I think I'm gonna get this car. 189 bucks. Like, dude, that's like, a scam. He's like, dude, I already paid him. Lose your money. We'll uh, <laughs> of course, he never got his three wheeled car. But right. We talked about payment. Uh, PayPal. I like PayPal. I don't particularly care for the others, although I do have like Cash App and. What's yeah, I was going to ask how people feel about that because you know a lot of the youngsters like to use that kind of Venmo. Ven, hey, just Venmo me the cash and or whatever you know. I, mean, I don't. It, know the only important thing is just to look into the buyer protections. So if something yeah. goes south, you don't receive something. You know, make sure that both the buyer and seller are protected in the transaction and can get refunds or whatever if things don't I show up. Yeah. Do any yeah. of those others offer that protection? I don't think they do. I, I, don't, I don't know that they I mean, do, I, to be honest. No, I'm, I don't think they do. I'm but old I, they fashioned could. and just go PayPal. PayPal, right. We know that's got protection. Friends and family, like we talked about earlier, I use it. Use your discretion there. Okay. Once an agreement is made, you need to do the following. First thing, and this you'll appreciate, Dan, send very clear payment instructions and explain when and how the item will ship before accepting payment. So I'm going to say, <laughs> PayPal me at my PayPal address. The item will ship within two days of receiving payment. And then Perfect. as soon as I get that payment notification from PayPal, I'm going to message the buyer and say, I have received your payment because thank you. you type these crazy email addresses into PayPal and then you hit send and you're like, I have no idea where this money just went. Exactly. So, Getting yeah, someone to reassure yeah. you going, hey, got the PayPal, man. Thanks. Item will ship in two days. I'll send you sure. tracking when it does. Um, next thing I do after that is I'm going to send you pictures once the helicopter, like before I've sealed the box that so just you've seen, you know, it's bubble wrap and it's happy. Um, and then I do just like Scott said earlier. So I'll send you a picture of the box all sealed up with the address label on it, um, ready to go. Um, so they can see that, hey, there's a, you know, who else is going to scam someone and send them a picture of the box with the address on it? So it makes them feel a little better. And then as soon as I drop the package off at uh, UPS or wherever, uh, which amusingly, Dan, I actually have better luck with UPS than all the others, but I guess we're all a little different like that. U oh, really? U USPS is the one I won't use because they're terrible. So. Oh, did I? Okay. I meant USPS. I, yeah, I usually use UPS as well. It's uh, okay. You said UPS. I was like, really? I have better luck with them. And as, as soon as I leave UPS, you're going to get a picture of the receipt that has the tracking info on it uh, mm -hmm. immediately. Um, I also add the tracking to my UPS app so that I can follow the package as well. Um, if for any reason I see that the buyer has received the package, a day has gone by and they haven't messaged me, I'm going to go ahead and proactively message them and say, hey man, just want to make sure everything arrived in good order. You know, there's no damage to the box or whatever. 
uh, and just make sure they're happy. And, and every time they've said like, oh man, it's great, arrive without damage or whatever, so knock on wood. Um, and then I, you know, I ask them if warranted, depending on the platform, to leave positive feedback uh, if they're happy. And honestly, sometimes I'll message these guys a few days later, and you know, or, or a week later, or two weeks later, see if they've flown it, or you know, depending on what the item is. But you know, try and make a new friend out of the deal, and then you can use these people as references on your next for sale post, saying, "Hey, I bought X Y Z from this guy, and it went awesome." You know, just over communicate here at this point. Says once someone has your money, the buyer's getting nervous, and if you don't talk to them for five days and they don't get any tracking, You're you know, this is why it on Facebook. As soon as I say, like, here's my PayPal, I say, here's when the item will ship. And sometimes because of all my business travel, I'll list something and then it sells while I'm in Salt Lake City, uh, like I am now. And I will tell people, you know, they say, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you my PayPal, but I'm in Salt Lake City until Friday. I can't ship the item until Monday. How about I message you Sunday night and you send me the PayPal then so I'm not sitting on your money for a week, which is my preferred method. So then I'll ping them Sunday, set a reminder in my phone. You go, okay, ready for PayPal. As soon as I receive funds, items all packed up, ready to go. I'll ship it tomorrow. Um, so just, I don't know. The message here is don't be lazy and over-communicate. <laughs> I used to be really good about shipping like next day or second day after. But I swear after I've had a kid, it's like two weeks, three weeks before I ship something. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I communicate I and I tell it. people, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I normally throw in like a bunch of free shit to apologize, but it's really bad. I talk with them, but holy shit, man, I hate selling stuff just because of that. Yeah, I don't like it either. It's a hassle all the way around. But here's a, here's another the takeaway here. All of this stuff that Nick just explained kind of sounds like a lot because, it, it, but it's really not. It's just basic communication. You know what? If you're the if you're the seller, uh, you know, just communicate like you're the buyer. Like you you want to know all this stuff. Just let them know what's going on. It's just a simple communication is going to keep your dispute off Facebook. Right? And, and as much as we love the drama, <laughs> man, it just gets, it just, it really brings out the worst in people. Right. And you just don't want to be, you don't, you don't want that. Don't, yeah. don't do that. That's not good. Don't be that guy. Don't let it happen. Just communicate. And if some, like I said, if something goes wrong, I don't know, man, you sold something, you sold a $200 item. You're, you're like me and the next morning you had every intention of after work going to the post office, but you find yourself in the emergency room and you're now you're in the hospital for two and a half weeks and you, you know, you, 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 look, shit happens. Just communicate and, and let yeah. people know what's going on. That's all. Yeah, and you better send me a picture of the IV drip or I'm going to call bullshit on the hospital <laughs> story. Call, the picture of you, your nurse and your doctor and some IV shit in your yeah, arm. I want a picture you. of the chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the medical chart with all your information. I want to know everything. No, I love this topic. And, you know, selling used, that we all do it. We all, look, I love, dude, nothing. I love it when you're, and I do it all the time. I'll be scrolling through Heli Freak. I'm looking for, I'm looking for shit that I don't need, right? I don't, I don't need another helicopter. I don't need a charging case. I don't, you know, but you're, it's just that, like, you're going to find a good deal on something and that's exciting. Right? Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Fun. And you end up, you know, stocking up on shit that you'd like, I've shit. I've bought, I got shit underneath my desk here that I bought used that I just have never even opened the box for. I, I figured I would need it. Like I've got a starter here that <laughs> <laughs> it's still in the box. I bought it a year ago. 
Just in case. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, guys. I love this top. I think it's about time we head out. But before we do that, we should probably get some emails. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Well, if you want to send me some PayPal funds, you can hit me hey. at... No. Um, <laughs> you can find me at uh, nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. That is not actually my PayPal. How about you, Scott, if I wanted to get in touch with you? You could shoot me an email at scott at rchnv3.com. Go ahead and shoot PayPal money there, too, if you want. I'll set one up for that. <laughs> Boom. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan... What, what is my email address? And they read it. No, that's not... Is it just dan at rchnv3.com? I, I don't it's, remember. It's yeah, dan, just, dan the angry man at rchnv3.com. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I should get that one made. The dank read. Uh, Dan Reed. You can also catch me on the Facebook at Dan K. Reed. Uh, you know, check out our webpage, www.rchnv3.com. If you wanted to get in touch with Devin, you could do that at Devin at rchnv3.com. He's on the Facebook too. I like him on the Facebook, by the way. Devin? You know, the young, the young, the young gigolo that's working the street corner in Indiana. You might not remember. He's that goofy-looking dude with the shirt that's all wrinkly. You remember? Oh, wrinkle shirt. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, a wrinkle shirt. There you go. That's the one. Yes. That's Devin. And, of course, last but not least, Rob, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do hmm, Well, then, if you want to reach me, um, you will have to uh, uh, you have to reach out and uh, uh, touch the ionosphere, if possible. So what I want you to do is hijack yourself a Learjet from your local medium-sized airport and fly it to Alaska and parachute down onto HARP. And what I want you to do when you get into HARP is break out your Flipper Zero and program HARP to make the clouds over Urcha look like a big white wrinkled KDS servos t-shirt. Uh, Devin will take notice, uh, so give it about a minute. And then switch that to your message uh, that you want to give me. And Devin will be slightly flattered um, and then perturbed. And maybe he'll give me the message. Um, and then, uh, uh, but uh, and then if you don't want to do that, if you're afraid you won't make it out of harp um, or you don't know how to fly an airplane uh, or you didn't listen to the flipper, other flipper zero ending, you don't know what that is. Um, then you can just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up on the Facebook at nextgenrcfb, uh, Instagram at nextgenrc, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. I don't know what any of that stuff is, Rob. Well, you better get to looking. Google. Get the googs out. Flipper's that TV show about the dolphin, right? Yes, it is. But the Flipper Zero is a little small... Uh, open source device that allows you to hack oh, that's, all that's, kinds that's, of hardware. That's the first dolphin they used in the TV show that died. Nick <laughs> 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 funny. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs>